Broadcast from the centre of England, this is Waffle On about Star Trek The Next Generation. Make it so. Welcome to Waffle On. Uh, for a change, we are back to our normal recording routine in which I am sitting next to my co-host, Mark Kelly. I am semi-naked and hello. Mmm, nice. Is this because we're talking about I Star am, Trek for the next time? Just imagine <laughs> Bruce Willis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very, very poor Bruce Willis. It's a bit more Bruce Willis with his top dirty oh, lights on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not the fresh, clean, white nah, linen nah. shirt. Nah, nah. We normally don't know that. Um, my name, obviously, is Simon Meddings, and welcome to Waffle On. Um, this is the uh, second episode of Waffle On in July. Um, you don't know this, but we put out a Waffle On yesterday. I do. Well, I, oh, do. I, read, I went on the Waffle On. My, this is a shock. I went on the Waffle On page, really. <laughs> well, but the Facebook page or the... Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Facebook page. <laughs> ladies, and, ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I am aghast <laughs> that the, the co-host of this show has actually been on the Waffle and On it, page. And, uh, and I saw that. I did it go. Yes, it was very good. Uh, for those uh, not in the know, I interviewed uh, Australian producer and author Stefan Sornak, who is the creator of the Martians Are Here podcast. It was a very good 90-minute interview. Uh, it was actually it was two hours, but I edited down to 90 minutes. Oh, yeah. uh, and it's really interesting. He talks about his, uh, his family background as well, because uh, Sornak is a Russian name. Yeah, and really interesting stuff about his family from the Second World War. It's up there live now. Go I'll listen to it. I'll have a listen to it later. Yeah, I'll I'll have a shower. Well, <laughs> what's going on here? You, you ply <laughs> me. Usually, I do listen to the radio when I'm in the shower. You ply me with Dr Pepper, <laughs> and you're sitting here semi-naked. And uh, is it because you Dr. got excited? Pepper. Get that right. It's cherry coke. Is it cherry coke? Oh, let's have a hold on a minute. Sorry, listeners. This is. Uh, <laughs> this is. <laughs> Oh right, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so much for your taste buds. <laughs> well, you know, well, I was drinking beer last night. Um, so yeah, today we're going to be talking about Star Trek: The Next Generation. We have a plethora of uh, yes. comments uh, brought in. <laughs> we have uh, uh, three, maybe four MP3s. I know one is uh, being recorded a little bit later on, so I'll edit that in later on. And we've got a great email as well. So what best way to start than to play? The theme tune. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before.
Theme tune there, Cal. Good theme tune for Star Trek. It's a good theme tune. It took a it took a bit of when I remember when we first watched it. It took a bit of getting used to. What the theme tune? Yeah, because it was so well 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 produced and that. But it it is the classic theme. Yeah, it it has nods to the original TV series at the beginning of it. Obviously, with uh, Patrick Stewart. um, Compared to Star Trek Enterprise, (laughs) it's a good theme tune. Oh well, Russell Watson. (laughs) uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, the interesting thing about that theme tune, of course, that was a theme tune um, to the end titles of Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, so that's the first fact. Like, well, I'm straight away. I'm like, that is a really good fact. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, if, uh, you go back and watch uh, because the, uh, Star Trek: The Motion Picture was originally a pilot. A wasn't pilot, it? It was a pilot for it, it was uh, called uh, Star Trek: Phase Two, and that end theme is uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation, yeah. uh, done by uh, Alexander Courage. But um, so I have Jerry Goldsmith's theme for uh, Star Trek: The Motion Picture, but this was kind of like slightly changed, adapted by Alexander Courage. Um, we. The reason now we should explain the reason why we're doing this TNG because it's not a British show. The connection, obviously, to Britain is uh, Sir Patrick Stewart. Um, but we've decided that once a year uh, we're going to do an American TV show. That is important to us. I think definitely because what we said before, like growing up, we were mad for American TV and British mm. TV. That's the two, you know. So it should be all encompassing, shouldn't it? I yeah, exactly. So, so for one one month out of the year. Uh, and obviously this is this year's we're going to do an American TV show and obviously we're doing Star Trek The Next Generation hereby known as TNG because uh, let's face it we can't be bothered doing that uh, created by the uh, original Star Trek uh, creator Gene Roddenberry otherwise known his full name as Eugene Wesley Roddenberry ah, so that's why, was it. That's why Wesley He's named Wesley Crusher, yeah. and uh, Wesley Crusher is actually who um, Gene Roddenberry thought he would uh, would like to have been like as a young boy. Interesting. Mm, I wouldn't. No, I didn't like. We'll, we'll come. We'll come. to Wesley <laughs> yeah, yeah. later on. Some people. I mean, I mean Will Wheaton is is just a legend. There's no oh, question about it. But Wesley Crusher, <laughs> I'd kick his ass yeah. and what. Uh, but let's let's leave that rant to later on. Now, um, me and you, we met each other uh, 25 years ago. Yeah, this uh, is true. Heading towards our 25th, our 25th anniversary yeah, now. <laughs> and, uh, and one of the things that brought us t- together was, of course, our love of TV and film and Star Trek uh, science yeah, fiction. Definitely. And um, Star Trek first hit our screens uh, around about the mid 80s, about 1987, I think. Something like that. Yeah, it was, was it? Because it, we, didn't get it, we didn't get it instantly come out in America, did we? Mm, I think we got it. I th- well, it, it, according to the research we've got here, it premiered uh, September the 28th, 1987, uh, with the uh, two-hour pilot encounter at Farpoint. Um, there was 178 episodes after that, uh, well, in total, uh, ending with all good things uh, on May the 23rd, 1994. Well, oh, I remember um, that, though, really well. Yeah, 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 really, yeah. Really well. Um, now, I, so I think maybe we got, uh, maybe we got it late 87, early 1988. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm thinking we got it 88. There wasn't a big song and dance about that, was there? I remember when they first said that it was coming on, and I was going out with someone <clears> at school then whose m- mother was quite into Star Trek, and she loved TNG. And I remember not liking TNG when it first started because I loved TOS so much. Exactly like me. Mm. Especially that first episode. It's like, oh, is this it? Yeah. <laughs> is, yeah. it is this it? All the way for this. <laughs> It's true though, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I remember when we talked, it's like, it, it, doesn't, it wasn't that great, was it? No, and I, I think that, well, I think it may well, it may well come close to being cancelled near enough, only because of the fact that Patrick Stewart pulled it through. He's the standout person of that show. Everything else is wooden. I mean, you you just couldn't get past the fact that it was a wooden. Even the look of it, yeah, the, the yeah. filter they used on it as well, maybe all it, it was really all like airbrushed. Yeah. Like, yeah, like Dallas. Airbrushed, yeah. That reminds me what it looked like Dallas or Dynasty or Dynasty, sort of stuff. Dynasty. That's what it looks like to me. You look at it now, it's all, you know, it's all big hair and well mm. made up. I thought they seen. It's, yeah, I mean, later on, uh, I mean, obviously we'll, we'll talk about this in a, bit, in a bit, but for the first series of Star Trek, dates. It is dated. It looks dated, which is horrible because then it's a futuristic program. Yeah, it looks, yeah, it looks it more looks dated ter- than the original. Well, yeah, which is awful. Um, but suddenly they seem to get their their feet together there, and you look at the later series, probably from series three onwards, and it's timeless. It yeah. is timeless. Um, so it starts off the the original, the pilot encounter at Firepoint with a very special guest star. Do you remember who that was? Was Whoopi Goldberg in that? One? No, 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 no. He was uh, being shown around by Data around the, the new Enterprise, Enterprise D. That's been since I saw it. No, was it now? He was DeForest Kelly. That was Leonard McCoy. That's now, right. the interesting thing about this is that uh, TNG is set around about 80 odd, near 100 oh. years after TOS. How old? <laughs> yeah. Is that that Leonard McCoy? Because McCoy looked old in the original series. Yeah, I know. And he's, in my opinion, the best character in, uh, in uh, TOS. Do you I think? think? I think so. I think there's more too. I think he's the warm. I think he's the most human character. Definitely. Yeah. It's well, obviously, because Spock wouldn't be, would he? But no, no. But you know what I mean. Doesn't mean I mean as in uh, in you liking him. He, he actually he had he weren't he wasn't perfect. Like Kirk was perfect. Yeah. We all love Kirk. Oh, Kirk. Well, now is it? This is an interesting thing if about you the difference. Start to talking about. Is he wearing a girdle? All his wigs. Look, uh, you're the girdle king. Right? <laughs> he, d- he never wore a girdle in TOS. Right? He wore a girdle in, in TJ Hooker. Yeah, but you did right? investigate if he wore a girdle. I didn't, yeah, well, I, I'm still. My ongoing <laughs> quest is his wig. Because, it's like uh, the Holy Grail for you. Yeah, <laughs> well, it is a wig. Grail. I mean, I just don't understand why he doesn't admit it because, you know, you can tell it's a wig because on certain points in TOS it moves. Well, not it doesn't move, but it's not the same haircut. Yeah. Hair, and, uh, and, it's, and his hair got thicker as he got a hot He got thicker in TJ Hooker. Yeah. No, if, if he'd had the exact same wig during TJ Hooker, <laughs> yeah. he, no, probably people thought uh, looks yeah. a bit suspicious. But uh, yeah. but going going from that to a Tony Curtis style bouffant, yeah, that was it. Yeah. Especially yeah. in series three of TOS, wasn't it? Because he started getting all ruffled. The man it looked a bit more ruffled. <laughs> yeah, that. yeah, like, yeah. That was doing a, doing a tail work, wasn't it? But, uh, but there you go. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, so let's uh, let's crack on. Uh, the TNG was created 21 years after the original Star Trek and was set in the 24th century. The year 2364 through to 2371, as we said, about 100 years after the original um, Star Trek. And of course, I've got a new ship, the uh, Enterprise uh, 1701D. Um, what do you think of the ship? Um, I don't like it as much as I like uh, the original Enterprise. 
obviously because that's just warm and as a being a child, being a kid. But it is a nice one. I'm, I always wanted the sauce. <laughs> it was just burp then. It was an yeah, it was an inward burp. Oh, right, nice. Um, I always wanted the saucer section to come off more. Now, you see, I didn't like that. You didn't like that, because I know a lot of people said it turned it into a flying saucer. It turned it into a flying uh, saucer, and also, the the leftover main ship looked like that one from... It did look terrible. Uh, and it looked like, not cool. And you uh, mean... Um, what was it? Another one of you now. It just looked like two testicles. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what's that? Is it, no, it's not cool. It's is not it? cool, is it? Answers on the postcard, anybody who remembers what we are. To, what yeah. I've only just thought about that actually, but that's the reason why I didn't like it. It just, okay, I like the idea of that. That'll be on the stars, is it? That'll be on no, the stars. I mm. No, Anyway, um, I just think it was, it was a good idea, interesting idea, but there's that thing of like, well, the saucer section now just looks like a flying saucer. So it begs the point of why I have the rest of it in the first place. That is a, that is a good point. Why would you need all that? Why would you need all, all the rest All them people get squeezed in there. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, that's when people start talking about the fact that this ship is, is obviously a discovery ship. It's a, a ship built for... Um, and only know. one toilet, hasn't it? That and yes, as, a, as a, our man, our favourite man, Jonathan yeah. Frakes, yeah. Uh, points out on the plan, there yeah. is literally only one toilet. Even <laughs> yeah. the captain doesn't have his own journey. <laughs> I know that. That says it all, really, doesn't it? Um, but no, I didn't. I wasn't keen on that, and it was yeah. just a bit gimmicky, in, in in my opinion. I love the I love the bridge, and I the love the battle. I love beautiful. the battle room on it, dude. You know, yeah. like into the battle room. Yeah. I really like that one. Yeah, the battle room and the, the main bridge is. Um, it's why well, it just looks nice. Eh? Nice bit of wood. Now, you think of the bridge in Star Trek. That's the that's the bridge. Well, it does look like it's a place where you'd want to work. It's yeah. almost like the new office buildings that you get these days in banks, where it's made to make you feel a bit more comfortable. I mean, it's got carpet for God's sake. I know, it's carpet. Although the chairs in the first series were rubbish because yeah. they were a bit too reclining. Yeah, and I'm yeah, thinking, you a, can't steal a ship yeah. like that. And why have you got a 16-year-old in uh, the ship? But we'll yeah. go back to Wesley. <laughs> yeah. right, right. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the outfits from, uh, from the original TOS series um, was, you know, we all know because Kirk always had his ribs. Uh, the new series of TOS, uh, sorry, of, um, TNG, had a different style of outfit. Count your opinions on the, uh, the, uh, the first... Uh, oh, no, they were terrible, weren't they? Well, they didn't look comfortable. It's like a bloody play suit, like a romper suit, isn't it? Mm. It's not military enough for me. That was my problem. I know they're not military. I know because they're not military. But it just to me, if you were a, they were meant to be like a naval force, weren't they? Yeah. yeah. It would have looked more, surely more military than it looked like it was like it. I don't know. It looked like an engineer. They're like boiler suits. They were yeah. Just all in one boiler suits, and they were not complimentary at no. all to anybody no. wearing it, especially, especially Data. Especially all John. <laughs> Well, no, because Flakesy was uh, <laughs> Flakesy was thin at the start. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I mean, not knocking Flakesy because uh, right, he's uh, he's our man. But yeah, in the, the new outfits um, were distinguished by three different colours: um, security and engineering was mustard yellow, command and navigation was wine red, and uh, medical corps and sciences was round about a navy bluish light yeah. bluish colour, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but instead of having on their wrists like arrested of their rank, um, you had pips. And, uh, and Captain had four solid gold circles, Commander had three solid gold circles, Lieutenant Commander two solid gold circles and one empty gold circle, Lieutenant two solid gold circles, Lieutenant Junior Grade one solid gold circle and one empty, Ensign just one solid gold circle. So that was the ranking, the way they did that. I say that word very carefully. Uh, later on in the series they changed the outfit 
to a more two-piecing with uh, trousers, boots, and of course a top. And later on, I think round about series five, maybe series four, Picard then got his wicked jacket, which I thought was yeah. awesome. And you also had the dress. Yeah, thing we've had yeah. like uh, someone coming on board, didn't they? And that yeah, the dress, yeah, dress, yeah, dress, yeah, really yeah, dress yeah. one. Uh, and also, poor old Diana Troy started off TNG in the most ridiculous-looking clothes ever. And to me, Marina Sotis is a uh, darn fine-looking woman. Oh, here we go. What? Here we go. What? <laughs> That's why you were watching it, then you perv. Well, actually, I quite like Tasha Yar as well. I know you like Tasha Yar. Wow, she could handle herself, couldn't she? Yeah. Bit of wrestling, all that. You know, for a while that she'd wrestle you to the ground. Oh, and then kill you. That shit I was quite hot. I think she was the hottest. Denise Crosby. Was she the hottest ever Star Trek character? Ooh, no. no Seven no. of Nine would probably come for him. Beat all that. It was uh, Tapal uh, in uh, Enterprise. Enterprise. She was a playboy model as well. Yeah, Don't that, worry, in, I've investigated this. I bet you have. <laughs> uh, for some reason, do, do I get the reason that you borrowed those, uh, or you bought the Enterprise one? Because purely for the shower scenes, <laughs> she always seemed to have the oh, Enterprise. Uh, yeah, Enterprise, uh, no one knew it was a, a popular thing, but yeah, we were young people, I mean, uh, young lads, I mean, Star Trek TNG started, I don't know, about yeah, like 14 years old. Young Appetites. Young Appetites, where did they go? <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, TNG won 18 Emmy Awards and its seventh season became the first and currently the only syndicated television show to be nominated for the Emmy for Best Dramatical Series. It was nominated for three Hugo Awards and won two. The first season episode, The Big Goodbye, also won the Peabody Award for Excellence in TV Programming. Uh, we've already talked about this year, but it's a fifth one to bear their name, US Enterprise NCC 1701. Um, yeah, said it's a now the, the interesting thing about TNG is that it seemed to be focused mainly around uh, the Prime Directive. It did, definitely. It was, more, it was a lot more, mo- it was the most moral mm. of series, I think, definitely. Yeah. There was, definitely was a right and a wrong in, in their world, wasn't there? Definitely. You, was that a good thing, do you think? I'd, uh, I'd, uh, it, I'd, I think, for, like me and you, people like me and you who like that sci-fi, a lot darker. Mm. I, I didn't let it get in my way. I think it wasn't the most. What I could have put this morally ambiguous. It really wasn't. It was they were right. Everyone else was wrong, weren't they? Yeah. I think it. I think at the beginning, it it, it did get on my nerves because we talked about this. We're not big fans of the first couple of series, are we? No, we do have a rule in which we state yes. that Star Trek TNG only got better when Will Riker put some weight on and grew a beard. beard. The Deep Space Nine only got better when Cisco shaved his hair off and grew a beard. And grew a beard. And one of the best episodes in TOS was uh, Evil Spock. Who had a beard? Who had a beard? That, yeah, that is it. He does not really look like the master. I'm starting to think, is this a beard related? <laughs> it's gonna, yeah, so you'd have to be, but it, you know, we did like that beard, didn't we? He was a damn good beard, and I had a Riker beard at one point. And it's I online. Think it, weirdly, but don't you think, even though he, he got to put on a bit of weight and he, he's beard come, he did, he's, he sees his character change as well, didn't his he? Ca- well, when he it first was started, he was such oh. a pencil pushing, oh. you know, just a, a real. Socks and stuck a broom up his ass, yeah. <laughs> Do you know, you know, this is a very British saying, but people in that basic, it means he was really stiff, wasn't he? He was a proper stiff and, man. He, did, he went into the jazz and that all then, either, wasn't nah, he? <laughs> and then suddenly he grows out. But there was that point, that strange transition, where he had the beard, but he hadn't put the weight on yet. No, yeah, that so was... he looked a little bit like, because his character was actually called Babyface Riker in uh, at the Academy. And we'll talk about that when we talk about each individual um, character. But uh, yeah, so they had that moment, and then suddenly he put a bit of weight on. Maybe that was the reason why they opted against the uh, the jumpsuits. Yeah. 
to handle his uh, his. Well, he just got better. He, 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 did get better. he, he looked more relaxed. He was too perfect. Them first two series were everything was perfect, wasn't yeah, it? If yeah. they were on a deep spaceship in the middle of nowhere, you'd be a different kind of people. You know, they would have. And the, you know, the one thing I don't like is the fact that they say that the ship is supposed to be self-cleaning. Yeah. I don't get that. How can it? How can the ship be self-cleaning? That's a good point. Actually, could it be cleaned? Yeah. No, because he needs water. There ain't mm. no water in space. No. Unless it's an asteroid. Well, there is water, isn't there? But well, there is. It's an asteroid. Yeah. But unless they crash into it. See, it doesn't... Yeah, you see, too much... Too, too much, much, yeah. We do it turning into what we prob- want to talk about. No. Bit. Probably the reason why they've only got one toilet. That's a good point, actually. Yeah. Unless they had some kind of teleportation voice <laughs> from the bowels. <laughs> <laughs> they could <laughs> transport you from their bowels straight. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that... Maybe that's what it was. Brilliant at work, wouldn't it? Go to the toilet. Transport my feces, please. Dude, maybe I've got that to go to a bit about transporting that. Anyone else for Tomo? I have this conversation many times with saying that it'd be great to get and see people in America. Just by Tomo, I said, Yeah, I'm going to go to America now, transport myself over there. But then, of course, you've got the horrible scenario of what would happen if it was a blundle fly. Yeah, and also, it's something very interesting. If there was such thing as a transport, this is a physics fact for you. If there was such thing as a, a transporter, that new figure wouldn't be you. It'd be a different person. It would be a clone of you. It'd be it? a clone of you, so you'd die every time you'd be a new person. Yeah, and so the reason I think is, it, don't, don't you do you die when you get transported? Well, you, well, near enough. You you die because mm-hmm. it's another person. And I don't, anyway. I don't hold it. And also, right, what's going on with the clothing? Because if you, if you, if you, if you, you all your molecules went off into one, like all made a molecule, everything's made a molecule, yeah. and then it's reorganised. I mean, is that what the pattern buffer's all about? So it, it reads your pattern as you go and puts you back together? Well, the pattern is, buffer is the, he used to get them out of a lot of holes in Star Trek. A bit like the Doctor Who's uh, Sonic Screwdriver. Sonic they oh, yeah, talk about the pattern yeah, buffer. Indeed, yeah. uh, so I'll tell you what we'll do before we crack on and uh, talk about the characters. Shall we play a comment? Go on then. Okay, this is a comment from Rick Dusty. And now, to be fair, we should point out that this episode of Waffle about Star Trek Next Generation is not an in-depth oh. discussion about TNG because... Well, we'd be here that. all day. Yeah, and we're not so we, that, well, we no. don't know enough of it. But nah, we just love it. If you want to go and find out more about Star Trek or yeah. any decent sci-fi program, you can't go on then going to see Treks in Sci-Fi. Here is the host of Treks in Sci-Fi, Mister Rick Dusty. Hello, Meds and Waffle On. This is Rico from the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast, and Meds asked me to uh, send in a little comment about uh, the Next Generation Star Trek, the Next Generation that is. For your show this week, uh, I've uh, obviously I'm a big uh, Trek fan. I, I got to know Meds from the uh, the forum uh, related to the Trek podcast that I've been doing for a number of years now, and I started out uh, watching uh, the original series and reruns, and of course loved it. Just watched them over and over again. And when uh, I first heard that uh, the Next Generation, you know, was going to be coming on the air, a new Star Trek series, I was very excited and. We started to get little tidbits of information about, uh, you know, who the cast was going to be and, and, and what the show was going to be about a little bit and, and, and the era it was set in, you know, way in it, in the future from the original series, you know, so that there wouldn't be too much of a crossover and Gene Roddenberry kind of wanted to start fresh. And so uh, as, a, as a Trek fan, I was, of course, you know, crazy ecstatic and and giddy and, and, and just, you know, finally... You know, Trek uh, back in those days w- was really just kind of like, oh, that was for the nerds and the geeks and the college kids and, 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 and just, you know, it was very 
kind of like, oh, you know, when somebody learned about that, now it's not like it is now where it's kind of really back in, especially with the movie last year. But anyway, back to uh, The Next Generation. You know, I grew up with some friends. We all enjoyed uh, the original series, so we kind of huddled together and watched that premiere episode of The Next Generation. And, you know, I have to admit, I, I wasn't especially impressed with Next Generation like I think a lot of people uh, felt at, when it started out. It was a little rough around the edges. The cast seemed a little stiff to me. But uh, it slowly, over the next couple of years, turned into just a, you know a fantastic series. Maybe, perhaps, even the best Star Trek series. You know, when you look at things as a whole, and you're not really, you know, looking at them through the the lens of a, of a kid growing up on the reruns and stuff. But uh, you know, just an amazing cast, uh, great characters. They had lots of time during the seven years to really flesh out their characters and do all kinds of cool stories. And just great things. I, I, I'm a little disappointed these days that we're not going to probably ever get maybe another Next Generation movie. But who knows? You know, you know, there are always possibilities, as Spock would say. And it's just, it was just happy, or I, I should say, <laughs> I'm a podcaster. I can't even talk. You know, I was just happy that finally Star Trek, I think, when Next Generation really started to get cooking around the middle of its run, it really kind of helped legitimize Star Trek for the fans that have followed it for so long with the original series and say, hey, look, th- this is a cool thing, and, and, and these, uh, these, this cast and, and these stories that they're doing are really interesting. And, of course, without TNG, we would have never got the rest of those other cool series, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and Enterprise, and we certainly would have gotten all uh, you know the movies and the new rebooted movie last year. So TNG kind of, you know, besides TOS, without TNG, we, you know, Star Trek would have continued to just be those original series reruns and we would not have what we have now. So it, it meant a lot to me and still does. And I still love podcasting about it and watching reruns of it. So, uh, Mets, I hope this is uh, good for you. <laughs> I could talk about TNG for the rest of your podcast, but I won't. So uh, thanks for letting me know about your special show and I wish you the best uh, on Waffle On. Bye-bye. There you go. Uh, Rick, uh, Rick Dustin there, who um, said everything that we... Yeah. Better than uh, yeah. we could No, he said about loads of pauses, not knowing the facts that you're talking about. <laughs> we'll start talking about weight and hair. Well, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's the reason why he does a podcast devoted to yeah. uh, Star Trek and and uh, other sci-fi. So thank you, Rick. Yeah, I mean, he's dead right. Without TNG coming along, we would not have had, obviously would not have had DS9, no. uh, Voyager, Enterprise, and we certainly wouldn't have had those films. And they, they, they did produce some good films. Uh, generations, people, not generations, the film. I like generations. I think it's really good. It's good to have the shot in the back. Yeah, really, anything's got Malcolm McDowell in as well. He's oh, brilliant in Marvel. Yeah, let's face it, Malcolm McDowell, he's, he's just awesome. So yeah, brilliant comment there, uh, Rick. Thank you for that. Um, so let's talk about uh, Sir Patrick Hughes Stewart for Hughes is his middle name name. OBE born 13th of July 1940 in Murford which is in West Yorkshire in England uh, English film television and stage actor and university chancellor he has uh, had a distinguished career in theatre for quite a while Um, old Patrick Stewart uh, do you think he's always been bald (laughs) well (laughs) so well what a question that is, I. I really thought because I, I searched. Oh, no, I what, searched. what is it for you? We bold people looking from on the internet. <laughs> right. I searched 
for a picture of Patrick Stewart we've had I found one picture of him from 1955 when he was in theatre along with Peter O'Toole and uh, he's got uh, uh, ginger ginger like ginger brown oh. hair yeah, when he was looking but it's only a bit of it mind but um but there you go. Because in that episode of TNG, where it, it goes back, not back in time, but it's, I can't quite remember what the episode is, but you see Picard with Crusher is it, no, uh, still, when, when her husband dies. It, I tell you, when you, there's that one, isn't there, where Q... Because uh, you remember, he got stabbed, didn't he? Oh, well, we'll, come, mean, on, we'll come on to that. But, yeah, I know what you mean. You know, that's one, and he had that hair he, in that, and he had hair... No, 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 he didn't have hair in that, because that was, was him it? actually going back, as yeah. he looked now. But there is that episode where he's walking along the corridor talking to Beverly about her husband dying and he's got hair in that he's got that and it don't, it don't look right but when was the first thing you saw Patrick Stewart in? Uh, what I was a big fan of was uh, Excalibur Excalibur I think my, mine was June and now I'm a big fan of June as well yeah, and I can't quite remember what was the first yeah. I saw June or Excalibur but both the same he looks exactly yeah, he does look exactly the same, the same the in man, both I mean, films. he's looking a bit old now but I mean fair play to the guy he's you know he's, he's you know, in his end towards seventy. Yeah. Uh, uh, in fact, he he's seventy. Uh, all this month, thirteenth of July, he'll yeah. be seventy. Uh, happy birthday! The next month prequel, isn't he? I think so. Yeah. Well, they did Charles that one, didn't they? Where they kind of made him yeah, yeah. and, and uh, Ian McKellen look like younger, which to be fair, because in the size of Ian McKellen's nose, was yeah, yeah, a yeah. lot of makeup. Um, yeah, Patrick Stewart, and uh, and he, Patrick Stewart has gone up in our uh, estimation for having a bit of a go. At, uh, oh, James Corden. James Corden. That Do you want to explain what he did? No, that was bit of, well, if you know, if you know, James Corden, he's a. Would people in America? Well, he was know? Just, he's just been on Doctor Who in the episode The Lodger. They might know the History Boys. He was in the, the History, History Boys. Boys Alan Bennett's History Boys. And he Boys, played yeah. on Broadway with, uh, with History the History Boys. Boys. Yeah. So they might know him if they saw him. Yeah. But yeah. he's a rather rotund. Bit of a chubby fella. Bit of a chubby. Not he, chubby, cool like yeah. well, like her, but no, chubby as he He tries to make. He's like. He tries to be a bit of a lad. Yeah. What a lad in England means a bit of a what would you call it in America? A bit of a lad, a bit of a bit of a player, bit of a player, bit of a player. But really, <laughs> he's quite posh, isn't he? Mm. Really. But anyway, he's basically he's got one joke he does about himself being fat. Yeah, that is the only joke he does, doesn't he? Lift his shirt up, hilarious. Look at him jogging. Look at him playing football. Look how tight that shirt. You know, <laughs> the same joke over and over again. Yeah. So we got up to do some awards thing, and Patrick Stewart got up. And had to go at him and called him fatty. Yeah. Didn't he? Saying that's your only joke, fatty. <laughs> and he lost it, didn't he? Yeah. He had a right go at him and stormed off. Mm, awesome. It was, was brilliant. <laughs> I thought, well, there you go. You know, this is your, yep. this is um, this is these kind of people all over. Well, there you go. You know, you've got someone who's a theatrically trained actor who knows what he's talking about, and you've got some fat git who's just talking about a show. And I've got nothing against anybody who's overweight, but if that's your only if, joke if, and you're a comedian, not being bald or having a big nose, or if you're really tall or being little, yeah. if you're doing that joke so about yourself, you think about it. We've offended offended quite a few people. Well, bald people, big <laughs> big nose, Ian McKellen. And, but uh, you mentioned big nose, Ian McKellen. I'm being mean to it. <laughs> uh, so, and I'm a wee fella myself, so I can say that. It's like me saying someone having a go at me about being little and being offended by it. Mm. You can't. You can't, can you? Because you're four foot five. That's what you are. I am. Yeah, I am two foot two. Yeah, there goes that. That's the funny thing. Well, horrible yeah. uh, So Patrick Stewart played Jean Luc Picard. Here's a bit of history for you about Jean Luc Picard. Jean Luc Picard was born to Maurice and Yvette Picard in La Belle France. Um, uh, before that, if he's French, why is he so English in it? Well, that was my thing biggest thing. I thought, why is he English? Well, that's, that's the same scenario of like how Connery always plays roles. 
yeah. you know, in Russian, and he played in you know in America doing the Untouchables with his Scottish accent. I wonder if and the yeah. this is the worst case scenario of almost like Highlander, where you had Christopher Lambert speaking French, speaking his French, playing the <laughs> Scottish man, and yeah. you had Sean Connery, Play, a Scotsman, playing Spaniard. a Spanish pizza. <laughs> yeah. How does that work? No, but I always thought that. I always thought he was really strange. I wonder if they ever did think about uh, casting him as a French actor. It'd be quite interesting, that. Uh, uh, you know, yeah. and sort of all there, though, wouldn't they? And would the French uh, translated version have him... That is really... That is really... I'd say that would really offend French people. Yeah, the English would it, like, oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, actually, a, we have a really good email later on sent in from our German friend, Catron. Oh, about brilliant. Uh, yeah, so he was born on... Uh, this is Jean-Luc Picard. On the 13th of July, which is, of course, uh, Patrick Stewart's birthday, uh, 2305. Mm. Uh, and dreamed of joining Starfleet he failed his first Starfleet Academy entrance exam but was subsequently admitted and became the first freshman to win the Academy Marathon his academic training in archaeology is mentioned in numerous TNG episodes and he continues to pursue archaeology as a hobby he also remarks on one point that he failed a semester of organic chemistry shortly after graduation Picard was stabbed in the heart by a Norsegan Leaving, he, little, leaving the organ irreparable and required, requiring replacement with a implant. There's a big word there, but I'm considering I'm starting to laugh just yeah, by using, so. saying the word organ. Uh, this, this would prove uh, near fate later on in his life. It's uh, a great episode. That. Really good. Yeah, I really like that one. We'll, we'll talk, we'll, let me just finish the name. We'll yeah. talk about that. Uh, Picard eventually served as first officer aboard the USS Stargazer, which he later commanded. During that time, he invented a starship evade and attack tactic that would become known as Picard Maneuver. Now, let's, yeah, let's talk about that episode where Q gives him the chance to go back and not have that impact. Because he event. thinks he was... He, he was, um, he was immature and, and stupid, yeah. And, and, it, and well, you, you explain... Well, that. basically, um, Q... We'll talk about Q later. John DeLancey. Um, uh, basically, gives him the opportunity to relive his life and not be stabbed, to do something else, do something responsible, because mm. he thought he was being irresponsible. So it shows me his life when he doesn't save. Because he, well, he doesn't start the fight. Doesn't does he doesn't start the fight because mm. he's sticking up for someone, isn't he? He's being bullied. Yeah. Well, we well, talk about a girl as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, there's loads going on in the bar. So he, 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 he survives that and doesn't get stabbed. So what happens is he goes into Starfleet and he never progresses, does he? No. And he's, he's an ensign, isn't he? He's an ensign throughout virtually the whole of his, of his career. life. Because there's a bit where he shows him when he's trying to talk, he's got an idea. And mm. he tries to talk to command. Well, he's Captain Riker in that, isn't he? And he don't yeah. listen. And he don't listen to him yeah. because he thinks he's he's nothing. No. Nah. Well, they did the evaluation reports on him. He says he's failed everything. Yeah. And it's all because of the fact that it's like when you go back in your life and you look back on things and you think, God, we've, was I really irresponsible? Well, then, we've talked about this quite a lot. Right? Mm. You know, we had some major mistakes in our early lives. Yeah. And we always think, oh, should have done this different. But thinking about it, if we hadn't have done those things, it wouldn't have turned out to be who we are now. You know, no, no, we're quite happy the way we are now, and and I don't think I'd like to like to be different than my no. Probably would like to have a bit more money, but who doesn't? Money's not everything at the no, end of that. Um, so that was that's so John. Now then, oh, now here we go. Oh God, Jonathan Flakes. Oh God, Jonathan Flakes. Jonathan Scott Flakes, uh, born August the nineteenth, nineteen fifty-two, in Belfonte. Is that how you say it? Belfonte? Belfonte? Belfonte uh, Pennsylvania is uh, an American actor, obviously, an author, and uh, now most well known for as a, a director. Uh, he directed uh, First Contact as well as Insurrection, and he is the author of a book called The Abductors Conspiracy. Uh, for a time in the 1970s, this is cool. Uh, Jonathan Flakes 
Worked for Marvel Comics, appearing at conventions in costume as Captain America. Bloody hell. Yeah, he's been got a that. very thin Captain America. Yeah, he's got that big, tall look, though, hasn't big he? Big, tall, yeah. Because yeah. there is that thing, isn't it? I don't know how true this is now, but because I, I couldn't find it when I was um, doing the research, but he has a habit of walking slightly to his head tilted to one side, if you notice. That's now, right. somebody turned around and said, I don't know if it was Rico, actually, on, on Treks and Sci-Fi. It was to do with, I've heard this. No, he, was a, he worked at a hotel. I've heard was, this fact yeah, as well. carrying luggage on his shoulder. Yeah, he was a porter, wasn't a slight he? neck problem. I don't know if that's 100% if that's true, true but it would work out probably fine because all jobbing actors have to do yeah. have to do something uh, Flakes moved to New York and became a member of the Impossible Ragtime Theatre it was in that company that Flakes did his first off-Broadway acting in Eugene O'Neill's The Hairy Ape uh, directed by George uh, Florenz his first Broadway appearance was in uh, in Shenandoah Ooh, and then ended up on uh, TV in the soap opera The Doctors uh, and of course he was in The Waltons Dukes of Hazard. Matlock yeah. and uh, Hill Street Blues. Uh, you look on uh, on oh. online on on YouTube and stuff like that, and try and find um, early uh, Jonathan Flake stuff. The only thing that ever comes up is uh, he was in Falcon Crest. You know when I see him, man, he's on probably not on there, but on, um, we've got a, on, I've got Sky TV and we've got a thing called CBS Reality from CBS in America. Yeah, and basically it's all load of you know like play, like programs you like. Police stop camera action and road wars, road wars, and awesome. all these police interceptors. And he does one all about um, UFOs. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I think. Well, has he taken over from like Dan Aykroyd? I don't think it's new. I think it's done in the last ten years. It's not really new because he, he was still in Star Trek at oh, the time. Right, okay. And um, he does basically he goes for all, you know, abductions yeah, and yeah, yeah. sightings. It's called. There you go. It's called sightings. Sightings. Oh, right. There you go. Okay. I, I suppose slight, it's quite big in America, but slight deviation. There. You mentioned cop shows. You know what I saw uh, last night mm. and watched five minutes of it before turning it off. What? Was that Steven Seagal thing? Uh no, it's Lawman. You know that's been shelved because of the fact that apparently he's been done for. No, uh, because he's got a sex slave in a dungeon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That <laughs> don't happen to give me a gig, does yeah, it? I'm arresting somebody. Curb crawlers, uh, curb crawlers. What you got someone in your in your, your sex slave? Yeah, it's and a rubbish program. You it think it's terrible. gonna be? You think it's going to be brilliant? Don't you? It's yeah. awful. No, no, basically, all he does is sit in there, look fat. Sit in there, look fat. Is this a fat thing going on? There? <laughs> oh dear man. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, John Flakes obviously went off to uh, direct oh, Thunderbird, which should have been really good. Apart from Ben, Ben Kingsley's really good at that. Ben Kingsley. He's been the Ben Kingsley. If you don't say that word, I, know, yeah, I wonder if Sir Patrick Stewart is going to be like Michael Caine or mm. or Sir Maurice Micklewhite, we should say. Yeah. Or like Ben Kingsley, where Michael Caine turns around and says, no, just call me Michael. Yeah. Or is he going to be like Ben Kingsley, or, where he insists or Sir Anthony Hopkins? Or Sir Anthony Yeah, because he's the same, and he has to be Sir Anthony. Anthony. Anthony! Anthony. <laughs> Your name's Tony. Yeah. Tony. And you're from Wales. You're Welsh. Yeah. <laughs> well, we just asked the Welsh. <laughs> well, don't you <laughs> tonight? Big oh, nose Welsh people yeah. do not listen to podcasts. <laughs> don't listen to Waffle On. <laughs> oh, dear. Sorry, Welsh people. Uh, so uh, let's have a little bit of history about uh, old William Riker. William Thomas Riker, born 2335 to Carl and Betty Riker in Alaska. Uh, his distant ancestors from mainland North America, including Colonel Thaddeus Riker, who fought in the American Civil War. He entered Starfleet Academy in 2353, and during his time at the Academy, his superintendent was a Vulcan who had taken the time to memorise the personal files of each and every cadet. Paul Royce was a close friend of Riker's while at the academy. Uh, during a battle simulation against a Thelonian opponent, Riker calculated the sensory blind spot of their vessel 
and hid within the blind spot, this ingenious tactical strategy was noted in his personal record. Upon graduation in 2357, Riker was ranked 8th in the class. He said, he left uh, goals for himself and hoped to reach the, uh, the captain status before he was 35 years of age. That quite clearly didn't work no. um, because he kept turning it down, let's face it. Uh, in 2361, a transporter accident resulted in Riker being duplicated, oh. each genetically indistinguishable from the other, with personality and memories identical up to the point of the duplication. The duplication became known as Thomas Riker. It's brilliant. The only difference between Thomas Riker and Riker. Come uh, on, this is a theme throughout this podcast so far. Has he got a grey? No. His hair ain't going grey, what is he no. then? He's got a full beard, as opposed to yeah. <laughs> Riker's And he's, he, I really like that, because he'd come back into uh, Voyager. He did come back he was in Voyager. Voyager. Um, wasn't he? No, DS9, he was DS9. DS9. And he was a bit more of a badass. Uh, no, he um, he was working for the uh, the Marquis then, in the, uh, uh, you know, with the D, uh, DS9. And um, he nicked the ship. He nicked the, um, what's the ship called from uh, DS9? Oh, the Defiant. The Defiant, yeah. he nicked the Defiant. Uh, Wills worked on the following ships the uh, USS Pegasus as helmsman uh, he then worked on the US Potemkin a security and telecom Potemkin Potemkin thank you uh, USS Hood as first officer Enterprise D obviously as first officer and commanding officer uh, the IKS Park which is a first officer exchange program that was the uh, Klingon one yeah, that was an episode. excellent yeah, yeah. episode uh, USS Hathaway USS Excalibur uh, US Enterprise E as first officer and the USS Titan as commanding officer and rank commander uh, here's an interesting fact for you. The following actors up for the role were uh, William O'Campbell, Vaughan Armstrong, Eric Anderson, and Christian McDowell. And an interesting one for you, Jeffrey Coombs. Oh, Jeffrey Coombs, he's a, he's, a star, he's, a, he's a Star Trek legend anyway, isn't he? Well, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he's, he's mainly in DS9, isn't he? DS9 and uh, uh, Enterprise. He's in Enterprise. Mm. Uh, yeah. He's a uh, very strange looking fellow. We're big fans of him from well, the uh, Reanimator. From Reanimator, were And, and, and of course, Frighteners. In The Frighteners, he's brilliant in The Frighteners. Oh, he's brilliant yeah. in The Frighteners. But I don't see him as... No. Uh, he's a brilliant actor, like but he was good at playing what he... Could, he always come in and played weird parts, and he was always good yeah, at that, was he? was always good at that. Um, so, how about we talk about LeVar Burton, who played uh, George LaForge. No, I'm quite interested, because I've never saw him in anything. <laughs> anything else. Uh, his real name is Levardis Robert Martin Burton Jr., born February the 16th, 1957, in East... No, he wasn't. In uh, Landis... <sighs> These words... I don't know what it is with podcasting lately, but no. I seem to pick everything that has either Swedish or German names. Uh, Landstuhl... Uh, Catherine, help me out. Uh, in West Germany. Uh, huh? American uh, army base, yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Uh, he's uh, most professionally known as LeVar Burton. Uh, he's an author who first came to the prominence portraying uh, Kunta Kinte in the 1977 award-winning ABC television I, miniseries I, 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 Roots. Roots. I bloody love Roots. Uh, really based on the novice by, uh, obviously, Alex Haley. Um, he's also known as the host of the PBS children's programme Reading Rainbow. Um, throughout the 90s and early 2000s, Burton has directed many episodes of uh, the Star Trek series, and uh, most notably, he's done a lot of uh, TNG and uh, did some enterprise. Yeah, yeah, he did that When he got married, his best man was Brent Spiner. Uh, his groomsmen were uh, Michael uh, Dorn, Jonathan Frakes, and Patrick Stewart. So that's not a bad. Yeah, uh, that's not that, a bad yeah. wedding photo. Uh, that is, isn't it? Um, yeah, and he plays uh, Lieutenant Commander Georgia LaForge. Uh, basically, Georgia LaForge is blind and uh, has a. Um, as a visor, doesn't he? Oh, Which apparently, you know, according to the really he was an irritating oh, character. There's no question about line it. Up. Line up, have some fun. Have some fun. Well, there again, I mean, I suppose when you think about it, in Levar, he had Burton some had good episodes. That. That's some really good episodes. Yeah, yeah. He was in a brilliant episode. Do you know what? When they were like, um, 
they were like regressing. And he was yeah, a great the little the kid was that him the, with Lavin and Guinan. Yeah, like? I mean they went back to the planet and they become yeah. like these creatures. They were like a different kind oh, of creature. Oh, oh yeah. Do you remember? Oh no, then that was the one. Wasn't that one on the ship where they they revert to their natural? No, that that and is Worf was that. That is a brilliant one. That is one. Of, that's the last series. That, that, is. that was brilliant because Riker was like <laughs> typical Neanderthal. Yeah, that's <laughs> when it had old Reg in it and what it and Alpha. Oh, it's the fly, the fly like a fly. Wasn't that it? was a brilliant. That was a that was a horrific. That last series. I know we're going to talk about it, but that last series of TNG was absolutely. Jordan LaForge was blind and had a visor, um, uh, extremely painful thing to wear apparently according to LaBarba and uh, he was in pain uh, giving parts yeah. of the hair because in the second season he was actually screwed into his head drilled in stop it moving screwed in just to keep it in tight and uh, I suppose when you think about it it's awkward when you wear glasses and you know if you have glasses on all day it works your nose and mm. ears after a while imagine having that on for a 16 hour filming schedule it's going to gonna pay and considering his, blind, his character is blind he actually was near enough blind wearing that mm. visor so you know not, not great uh, the character of, uh, of uh, Geordie LaForge yeah, served on the US Victory Enterprise D and Enterprise E so he's only uh, you know only Excalibur as first obviously uh, his character was born February the 16th 2335 um, yeah, he's a strange, strange character, um, George of the Forge, really. As you say, he started off just as helmsman in the yep. first season, and then suddenly, <laughs> he becomes suddenly becomes chief, engineer. chief engineer. Yeah, that was weird. That, that was, obviously, you know, he could have been doing overtime or something like that, Who's, who knows, but it was a bit of a jump, because that's when you, it was um, Colmini. Uh, took over Helms and Bob. Become chief. Who became he? chief O'Brien, yeah. who really just seemed to be chief of the transport. Yeah, but that chief doesn't mean anything. In no. He's even, I saw an interview on Paul O'Grady when he was on there about last year, and Paul O'Grady's a Star Trek fan. Mm. And he said to him, why was he chief? He said, I don't know, I'm just put, they just put chief. It don't make any sense why he'd be called chief. No, no one like, else becomes chief. No. Just I suppose it's the same thing as like He was chief when he was on DS9. Yeah, DS9, yeah, he was chief. chief yeah, yeah. I don't know why they called him chief. There, there must be a reason why he's chief. I think it might be to do with he's, not, he's a non-commissioned officer. I, I, I might be getting a bit too in-depth for it, but I think that's what chief is, someone who is not an officer. Yeah. I don't know charge. much about I think. Yeah. Who knows? That's what Waffles all about. Yeah. Um, yeah, not, not my favourite of characters. Uh, yeah, like I said, some good scenes of data, as you're going to go on Well, yeah, because there was some the, good the, scene. the Sherlock Holmes and Watson one was brilliant. Yeah, there was some good but he, he was better with other characters. With other people, yeah, and he had like The other characters that could dominate it on their own, mm. apart from, uh, you know, let's not talk about Diana Troy. Well. But I mean, um, <laughs> but he couldn't on his own. It was just about him. You thought, wow. He didn't fight. No. He, d- he didn't have the one-liners. No. He, he weren't the greatest rich. actor in the world. Oh, he- right. Okay, let's leave it. Yeah. All right, leave it. Yeah. Leave it. It's all right, It's all right. Though. Don't worry. Don't get stressed. Come on, then. Go Do you want me to cheer you up? Spin on. Right. Let's have a comment. Go for it. Okay, so this is from Sarah, uh, who's a voice actress, uh, although it's known as Silas Carter. There's a, a lot of uh, Star Wars and uh, uh, voice acting oh. online. Podcast and she's setting something up with her, her good husband, which is coming soon. So uh, check the Anomaly uh, podcast forum pages for more information there. So Sarah, over to you. Okay, first off, Star Trek The Next Generation is without a doubt one of my top five favorite TV shows. Um, I grew up with it, and I know with a fervor that it is like not one of those shows you only love because it's covered with the dreamy haze of childhood memories when you know everything was golden and awesome and you know you could watch a really stupid thing on tv and it somehow turned into the best thing you've ever seen in your life no this show is just superbly awesome 
when I was a kid, the costumes and effects and the aliens caught my eye. They pretty much are what got me started watching and kept me watching. Now that I'm an adult, it's still the costumes, effects, and aliens, but it has a lot more to do now with the stories that I am actually old enough to understand now. Um, yeah, there are some pretty terrible episodes. Up the long ladder, for one. Um, Irish stereotypes, can we say? Like, majorly. Plus, major disgusting ew factor with the whole... Bleh! Like, polygamy thing. What the heck? Okay, anyway. But for the most part, um, it's full of these, like, really tremendous stories that really make you think and use your imagination. Um, two of my all-time favorite episodes have always, always, always been Remember Me and The Next Phase. Like, not only because they're awesome stories, but, like, how much cooler can you get than Beverly Crusher flying through a wall back into reality, like, with Picard standing right there, and, um, Roe and Jordy, like, getting all fizz-poppy back into, like, sight of everyone, like, after everyone had just been at their funeral and everything. Actually, if I recall, it was at their funeral. I mean, how much more cool can you get, you know? It's just awesome. Um, I feel like Star Trek The Next Generation has definitely been uh, really detrimental to my imagination process, how I view things as a writer and an artist, because it just has this richness about it that's really impossible to ignore. Um, I mean, really, even people who hate Star Trek love The Next Generation. That's just how it is. Um, I feel like it's one of those shows that appeals to anyone, not just Star Trek fans, which is really an amazing feat because I feel like it satisfies the Trek fan and satisfies the person just looking for a good story. You know, as Star Trek fans, sometimes we almost feel like that could be, you know, impossible, but TNG did it, you know, satisfying the Trek fan and satisfying the person who knows nothing about Star Trek. Um... Next Generation has great character development, too, which is a major plus because you really care about the characters instead of just sitting there wondering why the heck you're watching the show when you actually can't really stand any of the characters. Seventh Heaven is a prime example of that, as I just found out when I talked to my brothers and sisters that we've been watching that pretty much ever since it was on, and all of us couldn't really stand any of the characters. We have nothing against the actors, but the characters, like... You know, it was just the way the writers wrote them. They wrote them really obnoxiously. Um, so the character growth is definitely great. Put it on a Star Trek note. It was kind of cool in Seventh Heaven how, you know, Stephen Collins is Decker from the motion picture. And then you had Catherine Hicks was his wife, who's, you know, Jillian from Star Trek Four, And then later on, Robin Curtis, who played Savick in um, Star Trek huh, Three. <laughs> Uh, that, that I, I had to think there. Star Trek Three was in it, I believe. It was just kind of cool. It's like a big Star Trek reunion. Plus, I was kind of like, that's cool. Decker and Jillian got married, even though they obviously weren't. But anyway, um, all in all, it's a show that definitely stands the test of time. A rare thing for shows of the 80s. Even though anyone who knows me knows I'm like totally and utterly crazy about pretty much every show from the 80s. Um, but even I realized that pretty much every show from the 80s was a bit dated doesn't really carry over into now as well but tng is like a fine wine i feel like it just gets better with age it's just even more impressive and even more testament to how great the rating was and the direction for that 
So that's my thoughts on TNG. And thank you, Sarah, for that comment. Now, that is what you call a detailed, informative comment that even we <laughs> were sitting there going, I didn't, I didn't know that. that no, was, yeah, that was good. And uh, that's why we love having comments, Sarah. You are an absolute star. And uh, when her new project gets going with her husband, look at Waffle On website because we're going to be promoting it big time. Um, so, yeah, um, good comment there, Cal. It was very good. You like these comments, don't you? I do. They're really good, isn't it? Exactly. It's how you from having to talk. It does. I can eat my chocolate. Yeah, it's very nice chocolate, actually. Cadbury's on it. There you go, yeah. 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 So this English... Well, it's not him. Is it? <laughs> it's American, now. It's owned by Kraft. <laughs> give me the bean. <laughs> yeah. Get, get rid of it, sir. <laughs> um, so let's talk about Michael Dawn. <coughs> oh, yes. Uh, born December the 9th, 1952, in uh, Luling, Luling, Texas. Texas friends, have I just said that right? Uh, he first appeared as a guest on the television show WEB in 1978. The producer was impressed with his work, so he introduced Michael to an agent who introduced him to acting teacher Charles Conrad to study acting for a further six months. He then landed a regular role on the television TV show Chips. Was he awesome. Chips? Well, I only ever remember the two. Poncherello like, and, and, and the blonde hair fellow. Yeah, Harry, I think. Was he Harry? Or was Harry the blonde one out of Harry, the Fall Guy? Harry, was he Fall Guy? Oh, yeah. Fall Guy was ace. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Look, oh, we were we love, we, Look, Fall Guy, Lee May just had a bath outside. Fan, <laughs> yeah, he was having a bath outside, yeah. smoking a cigar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah. to me, is heaven. That was good. His first movie, uh, he had a role in uh, Rocky in 1976 as Apollo Creed's bodyguard. Bloody I yeah. know, I know, I didn't know that. So that's, that's good. So uh, yeah, he plays uh, Michael plays. Well, uh, Michael's recently been seen uh, as the president, so to speak, in uh, Heroes. That was the last thing I remember seeing him. It was Heroes, wasn't it? Yeah, Heroes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you see anything else? Wasn't he Lost? Was he? No. Because no, no. everyone basically popped up in Lost. Lost or Fringe? Or, uh, uh, yeah. Not in Fringe. Was he in Lost? No. I, I thought he might have been in Bloody Fringe because Jada Hayden is a mad Star Trek fan, isn't he? No, uh, I, I think Worf is the, the the character who has grown the most and I don't mean in weight I mean as no, in no, he, because the first few series his character was rubbish yeah. talk about a crap Klingon he'd be battered all over the place and he had you know what he is you, you, you're going to slap your head in a minute what's that he was what to do with hair right because Worf's hair was short to start off with yeah like a mushroom like yeah, a mushroom he was a real bad bob and he was crap but as his hair got longer did yeah yeah, there you go. And he did have my favourite all time line. Captain, I protest I am not a merry man. <laughs> that was brilliant, he's the Bobby <laughs> Dodd one. Uh, I am not a merry man. Uh, so, Worf, son of uh, Morg, of the Klingon house of Martok. He was born 2340 on the Klingon homeworld of Kronos. Um, he's uh, a stranded man, Worf, of course, he's uh, brought up by humans. Yeah, well, the big thing was his dad died in battle, but he didn't, did he? He was kidnapped, he was a. Uh, Mm. The the uh, the Cardassians had, had him on a prison planet, yeah. and that's where the shame come from. Yeah, wasn't it? it was, wasn't it? Mm. And that, in Klingon, interesting. And now I, I was talking to uh, uh, Ian last night about Klingons, and it's funny how they, you know, how you get stereotypes like uh, George Lucas. Uh, I've watched recently watched the last three Star Wars films the past two weeks. Uh, we watched Revenge of the Sith yesterday, which oh, I know we talk about it, but the di- the the, the, oh, the writing, the dialogue, and that is atrocious. The action is good, but he cannot write love. Don't do love stories, George. You can't do it. No. But he's 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 typical at doing stereotypical things. The Trade Federation with their strange like. Asian voices, you know, is quite clearly who that's aimed at. And the Klingons, to a certain degree, um, they 
To me, they, they, they're Vikings, aren't they? They come across as Vikings. <laughs> well, I've got a very interesting thing about this. We've got a big, uh, they're not called Trekkies, a Trekker, is that now? Mm. We've got a big Trekker at work, Keith. Keith. Now, Keith's got a, he's, he's special, isn't he? Yes. That's all we'll say. Anyway, but he has got some good opinions on Star Trek. And he's got this theory <laughs> on Star Trek that all the races, the main Star Trek races, are based on people in our history. Yeah. Now, to him, he said the, the Klingons were... Vikings, mm-hmm. Valhalla, yeah. drinking, blood wine, pillaging, they got the axe like the finger. Yeah, yeah. Here we saw the Cardassians as the Nazis. Yes, with the black and And the, this is the, why I remember they the Bajorans were the with the were Jewish, the Jewish people, yeah. the Jewish with resistance. With the we and... were uh, he said the Federation were uh, with the Allies. Mm-hmm. And I think there is something in that. There I, I think there really is. is that, but yeah. then he could also say uh, 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 the Ferengi, the Ferengi. If they, I always say, well, who are the Ferengi? Then he said, oh, the Ferengi, a uh, 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 Jewish. That's just being racist, then, isn't it? I don't see the Ferengi. No, they're not. I see the Ferengi as being French oh, because they're always running off. Yeah, that could be. Yeah. That oh could. no, the Italians, I should say. Yeah, yeah they're more like the Italians. More like yeah. the Italians make, making money and um, yeah, Mike, yeah. doing a runner. What a mistake to make. What a mistake to make. Hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so Wolf actually, but the only. Uh, he wasn't in Enterprise, was he? But obviously, because that, that would have been back in time. But Worf turned up in uh, DS9, yeah. uh, along with Carl Meany, the, the only other two actors to appear uh, in DS9. No, there was some brilliant... Kind of, that series of DS9, when Worf came into it, mm. and there was Carl Meany, and it were, uh, O'Brien were brilliant, weren't he? Yeah. There was some brilliant stuff, especially with uh, old uh, Bashir. Hey, Julian. Yeah, 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 they had such a good chemistry. The comedy really, were very brilliant. Weren't they, they really got that down to, to a point. I know it turned a bit stupid. That's why it was a bit too jokey towards the end. But there was some brilliant lines. But sometimes in you it. want that. There needs to be comic relief in any kind of program. I think, especially yeah, sci-fi, because it's not serious. Really, yeah, is it? I mean, well, TNG really lacked that kind of humour uh, of it. Uh, there was the other thing with Will, Will Riker was probably the one who had the one-liners. TOS generally nine times out of ten always ended on a joke and normally a rubbish one with Kirk looking smug in his chair <laughs> yeah, yeah, standing yeah. around him after everything. Yeah, and um, yeah. but he, yeah, Worf was definitely a character who grew and got better and better as a He was a really good character. Out. He was quite an important character towards the end. Really as well. important character, yeah. Yeah, especially that. I always loved that episode in the last series. Um, I loved the episode Cause and Effect. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a really good one. That really good. It's one. Cause Effect, the one where he was coming back from that. Um, Tournament, the Batlift tournament, and he keeps waking up, and it's a little yeah, tiny yeah, bit different. That's it, yeah. And they got all the ships, and, and it's basically it. him. He's been lost through time, and he's, and in the end, all the ships come together at the Which end. Is and you got the one that's been destroyed, destroyed where yeah. the Borg have won. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, so. yeah and you see, a, yeah, brilliant, uh, brilliant. Yeah, so Wolf there uh, really comes on now. Head towards uh, the uh, Gates McFadden or Cheryl Gates McFadden. Oh. Uh, uh, born March the second, nineteen forty-nine, in Ohio, uh, she's uh, credited as Gates McFadden, uh, actually a choreographer as well. Yeah, well, there was a while well, she taught data to dance. Yeah, there was that episode. There's that episode. Now, now it makes sense. Doing that, doing that really quick. McFadden had worked uh, mainly with Jim Henson, uh, including the films The uh, Dark Crystal and Labyrinth. As, uh, director of choreography and puppet movement, uh, especially on the Muppets Take Manhattan. Uh, she does make a, a brief on-screen appearance there. Um, she then really got into acting uh, with the Trauma movie with Nature Calls in 1983, briefly appears in the Woody Allen film Stardust Memories, and in The Hunt for Red October as Jack Warren's wife Kathy, though most of her scenes were cut in post-production. Um, her character, Dr. Crusher, uh, quite an important one for TNG, but 
Um, uh, just, you know. It's just a bit, no, it's, it's a bit of the Deanna Troy thing. Now, we're not going to be sexist about this, but we are. <laughs> Basically, started off, you saw her, and it was always a thing to turn it off. Because <laughs> you know it's going to be a love episode. A love episode. She's yeah. going to have some bloke in this there trying to seduce that. Well, this, is, this is Troy you're talking about, though. That yeah. No, 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 oh, Kusha as well. Kusha was always one. Remember, she was going out with that, them, them, there was that species out of the two, there was a, like a host and a person inside her. Yeah. Yeah, this is, and they oh, the, the trill thing. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. there was um, in Dick's the Fast yeah, Night there was a the trill yeah. mm-hmm. she, she went with trill or she'd always have the with Picard there was always that there was always that because oh, oh, yeah. you, know, you, know, you never found out about that really did no. you? no well there was that there was that well, I mean it's a bit of a history for Dr. Kusha was, uh, uh, was, was born um, Beverly Howard in uh, Compertica City in Earth's Moon on October 13th 2324 her ancestry is from North America, although her distant ancestors hail from Scotland. And there is that episode where um, they go back. There's that thing, is it not a hold up? They go back and there's a, a grandmother dies, doesn't she? Or something oh, like that. Yeah, and sure. uh, she ends up having that affair with a ghost. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's the. Oh, you're just. Yeah, oh, yeah. Let's not go there. Um, um, Gates McFadden left the series after the first yep. series and was took over by Dr. Palantir. Who was really good. You I'm liked a, her, I didn't. I'm a big fan of her, yeah, I liked her. She had that really good episode where she was aged, where she aged really old, mm. and uh, where she had that disease that made her really old, and it was like homage to that, uh, to, to, uh, to the original. Because there was a lot of that, wasn't there? There well, was a lot of homages. The next phase that we talked about now was mm-hmm. a lot like that. There was a episode like that in the original series, weren't there? Where, yeah, yeah. where he drank the water and he was on a different level. Well, the there. woman who played uh, who played Polanski was, of course, in two episodes of TOS. Yeah. Um, but she, I don't, she didn't gel with oh, the rest of the I crew. I thought she was a bit stern. I don't like she that. was stern, which probably a lot of doctors are, as you know. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so she she only lasted a couple of uh, uh, well, just through series two, and, and Gates McFadden came oh. back in series three, only really because of Patrick. Stewart, who was quite mm. upset when she left, and right. it was he who uh, yeah. who got in touch with her to, to, to bring her back. Oh, a lot. Well, she she popped back in throughout the series. She did. Uh, no, I didn't like her. I didn't want her at all. Mm. No, not my not my cup of tea. There you go. So, you know. Yeah. Mm. Um, so uh, Marina Sirtis, we saw her at uh, one of our conventions. Mm. If you remember, yes, we did. She looked quite nice. She did look quite nice, but that's the only positive thing we can say. Well, no, well yeah. Yes, right. Even you've said when she comes on, you turn it swiftly well, off. Yeah, the first, the first, yeah, true. Because it was either something to do with her mum, yeah, uh, or some love, crappy love story. She only got good towards the end when she was always with Barclay. Barclay, because was a good relationship with her enough, when she changed, when she got into the TNG gear, the actual uniform, and was given more proper Starfleet roles, her character came out more. Because it's all very well at being a counsellor, but if you're just a counsellor, you're just an ear. There's no real substance for you. And she's a great actress. And oh, no, I think he, as soon as she they'll give her more meteor roles, well, she took the commander thing. She took the commander. There is that thing where she's she's crash the ship and all that but <laughs> to be fair she didn't have much choice I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah Marina Sirtis is born uh, 1955 on March 29th uh, in London uh, and uh, obviously to Greek uh, Greek yeah. ancestry um, her character Diana Troy oh uh, a little bit of a fact for you her, uh, her brother Steve plays football in Greece uh, but what was it can I ask a question what was her accent meant to be yeah really weird then again, <laughs> what she's the a, hell she, was it she's like um, you know 
Baiters there, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, but a lot of others ever sounded like that. When a mum come into it, or there was blokes who baiterside people come into it, never sounded. Remember, mm. there was a baiterside bloke. Remember that the really good bloke in Vijay, the baiterside one. Yeah, he was yeah, a nutter. Yeah. He'd murdered someone, mm. and he and he out. Yeah, he didn't have shit. a strange accent. No, yeah. what were accent? Because she was, was Cockney. Well, I think the thing is, is that um, Gene Roddenberry wanted a Latino to be in that role oh, so yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. they kind of yeah, like because yeah, so she does yeah. have a little bit of a so rolling weird, Spanish voice in it because she's great yeah weird uh, the character of Deanna born uh, March 29th uh, again another connection there the same birthday as Marina uh, 2336 uh, on Beta Z um, her mother who turns up like, <laughs> uh, Luxana uh, turns up every now and again in oh, subject played of course brilliant. by um, Jean Wadivry's uh, uh, wife but uh, <laughs> it was just terrible because you know it's gonna happen. yeah she's gonna make, go after Picard he'll get a bit embarrassed it was the same thing all the while weren't it yeah okay <laughs> there we go anyone else have an opinion on uh, on, on that <laughs> I think there must have been more people than us who thought like that with try episodes you thought oh no yeah I think so yeah um, so we've got a, the last couple of characters so I think it's time for another comment do you go on this is Al from Tales of the Mouse House a podcast Dedicated to Disney World. <laughs> oh, you Chevy Chase lover, you. <laughs> Al, take it away. Hello, Meds. This is Al from the Tales from the Mouse House podcast. I just wanted to uh, give you a few comments on your Star Trek The Next Generation show. Uh, my obsession, if you will, with Star Trek actually began many, many years ago uh, when I was but a wee little kid. Uh, matter of fact, my, my first memory of Star Trek was of the, uh, the original series. Uh, we had just gotten our first color TV, yes, a whopping 19-inch color TV. I believe it was a Zenith. And as my father cranked that puppy up and uh, turned it on, the first image I saw in living color was of the Starship Enterprise. Uh, flash forward to 1987 when uh, Star Trek The Next Generation uh, premiered. I, I remember being really excited about uh, this new Star Trek show because I had been waiting years for something worth watching. And uh, uh, quite admittedly, unfortunately, the very first episode almost lost me. Uh, you know, I might be one of the few who think this way, but I thought that the, the especially the first season and that first episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation was extremely rough. The, uh, the writing was not quite there, and maybe that's because during the first season they went through quite a few writers. Uh, I think that the acting was just a little bit over the top. Now, part of the charm of the 1960s Star Trek was the campiness. I mean, uh, it, it's widely understood and known that that was what it was. I mean, that's, that's what made it work, and it did work in the 1960s. That same style just did not work well in the 1980s. So, uh, in my opinion, it kind of went a little bit over the top in, in that arena. Brent Spiner, who you know I, I came to, to love greatly as as uh, Data uh, in that first episode, especially, just made me feel like Data was a, as a was a goofy character. I mean, he wasn't a believable uh, android. He, he kind of pushed a little too hard to try to, to fit in and try to be human. I just didn't quite get the feeling. And I think one of my biggest annoyance factors was uh, Will Riker. I mean, especially, again, in that first season, he came off as kind of, a, you know, a man's man. He was a macho man. He had a, a John Wayne-ish 
if you will, uh, attitude about him with his, you know, kind of sideways cocked walk and everything. Um, but, you know, by the end of the first season, uh, it really, it grew on me enough to bring me in the next season, which I'm so glad for because, you know, by the end of the series, they had just really gotten the formula right. They, uh, they, they brought contemporary uh, storylines, contemporary uh, issues, if you will, into this science fiction show that was just it was just fantastic. I, I think that Gene Roddenberry uh, was probably pretty pleased with the, the end result. Um, that leads into, of course, the next generation movies. Uh, and for me, the, the first next generation movie, which was Generations, was a lot like the, uh, the original Star Trek movie that, that came out in the uh, late 70s the uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture. Now, not the greatest thing in the world. In fact, I, I think of all time, it's probably one of the worst movies ever. Uh, but it had to be done. It was it was the movie that, that brought the original crew to a whole new audience, brought them to the big screen and, you know, giant 12-foot uh, images. So it had to be done, and it paved the way for the other Star Trek movies. Generations was the same way for me. It was not a great show. The, our, our great movie. Uh, the storyline was was so-so. It, it was kind of convoluted, um, but again, it was one that had to be done. It, it kind of bridged the gap between television and the big screen, and uh, brought all of those faces to a whole new crowd of people. And it ushered, uh, you know, several of the next generation movies for everybody, which you know I personally enjoyed. I, I thought they were pretty good. I, I didn't think that they were as bad as most people did, but. Uh, that's just me. But thanks for, for doing a show on The Next Generation. Uh, I'm really eager to hear uh, a Brit's um, viewpoint on it. And uh, take care. Bye. Thanks, so Al. Just as we'll um, munching away on another Cadbury's uh, crunchy they listen to your comment. Um, Al does the podcast all about um, Disney World. Never been to Disney World, me. No, I'd, I'd like to go. It's just, I'm never going to get my girlfriend to go. Maybe when we go in our 40s, we can get out there. You reckon I'd be good? That's a long way, though, because then we're going to Comic Con. It's not the opposite side of it. So, this is the trouble that we, we think about it because, like England, where yeah, yeah, it'll take, us, bus, take yeah. us four hours just to get across. I yeah. think it's going to take us a few days. Yeah. But we'll, we'll deal with something. We'll investigate it. Yeah. We'll sort something out. We'll just dump the wives and. Oh. Uh, Go on our maybe oh, trip yeah. to we'll be Texas. Yeah, we'll be yeah, it'll be made then. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, thanks, Al. Uh, awesome uh, podcast and your promos played at the end of this series. So, um, yeah, uh, who all now? You know who we're going to talk about now? Get on with it. Brent Spiner. This is it. Brent J. Spiner, the man's a nutter, in my opinion. <laughs> he's not quite right. Uh, born February 2nd, 1949. So he's cracking 60. Yeah, 60, yeah. Ow. Um, 61. In Houston, Texas. Oh. Houston, Texas. Uh, he's an American actor, obviously, and um, mainly was. I've seen him in like comedy stuff in the early eighties. He's the only real thing that I've seen him in pre TNG. After TNG, he's cropped up in quite a few films. He was in The Aviator, and he's also been in stuff like West Wing and yeah. all that. Didn't he do the voices for something as well? Yeah, he's done a lot of. Um, Did he do Planet of Pit Stop? No. The- you know, you know the funny thing is, right, is that I always thought the person who did the voice of Penelope Pitstart was the actor René Aubergeon, who yeah. does, uh, who's Odo in Deep Space yeah, Nine. Yeah. Because, and the only reason why I say that, and this is a serious de- deviation from Waffle Line, mm. is I remember seeing René Aubergeon in um, Police Academy 5, Assignment Man, 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 Beach, yeah, 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 yeah. when he's there. And he does sound like, I'll get you Penelope Pitstart. Yeah. 
And I think um, Brent Spiner has done that voice on something. I'm sure he has, because I remember that's what I thought yeah, he made. and he, he does sound do. really much like... I think he is an impressionist anyway. Yeah. Uh, he's well known nowadays for doing a lot of tweeting on Twitter. And his tweets are very dark. <laughs> very, very dark. And you know, I know a lot of people aren't quite sure how to take him. And I think it is, it is all humour. It's one of those things where you either get the humour or you don't, or yeah, you yeah. don't one of the things. Um, there's a great clip on YouTube. If I get to find it, I'll pull it on. If it's not here, then, then just go search for it. In which Patrick Stewart is doing a talk and he's asking questions and, and Brent Spiner turns up and starts asking him questions about it. It's a brilliant clip it is. Uh, just search for Brent Spiner, Patrick, uh, Patrick Stewart convention yeah. and you'll find it there. Um, now, uh, Brent Spiner plays... Um, uh, Lieutenant Commander Data, a Soon-type android, uh, created sometime in the 2330s and, of course, destroyed in oh. 2379 when uh, the character, or when Data, saved over 800 men and women aboard the USS Enterprise E. A little bit of information about Data here before we go into him as a character. He's composed of, this is serious geek here, yeah. uh, 24.6 kilograms of uh, triprolamia composites, 11.8 kilo- kilograms of... Mm, molybenium cobalat alloys you know people are going to be able to say these yeah. a lot better than me but they don't exist and 1.3 kilograms of bioplast sheeting um all in all he weighs approximately 100 kilograms does he yeah <laughs> that's a very heavy uh, yeah. heavy fellow um data's upper spinal cord uh, was polyoxide designed to withstand extreme stress and his skull was composed of cortinide and duranium his legs were exactly 87.2 centimeters in length that my friend is what you call facts those are facts they are facts well ignoring that crap what do you think of data brilliant <laughs> he is awesome isn't he uh, basically he was the one to watch it wasn't he yeah he was the one you wanted to watch I know it got a bit I think it was data very data heavy towards the end wasn't it uh, you know and I think he did he did I, I, I think if I was the other cat I bet there wasn't any, any friction but I think deep down, some of the cast must have thought at the end, it's just turned into the data show. Yeah, I mean, I was not a great fan of the uh, emotion chip. I um, like Law. Law, I love yeah. the episodes with Law and his brother. Law and data, not having data with the emotion chip. No, that emotion trip. And he's the only character ever to swear in. Yes, he does. So he said, he? oh shit, doesn't he? Yeah. In, in, in um, Generation. Well, there is that film in it where, where you get to it and just goes, yeah! yeah. <laughs> having a kicking ass or something. No, no, no Data was. Whack and low. Yeah. Data had the brilliant dance scene. Yeah. I love that episode where Data's dreaming and they yeah. go into his uh, dreams. Yeah, that is And, really and weird, she's though. a cake. Yeah. And Diana tries a cake. A cake, yeah, because yeah. she was addicted to chocolate cake. Yeah, yeah, that's a really... Yeah, and because he did that life. And that one where he was doing that when he wanted to be a stand up comic. That's oh, yeah. a really good one. Yeah, they kept doing that. He's trying to do the, <laughs> do do that, the cigar. The cigar, the, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. That's it. You really think of them at the great and episode. And of course, Sherlock Holmes. He's yeah, he was really and, good. Um, and when he was doing Shakespeare. Oh, that brilliant yeah. episode of Sherlock Holmes, that ship in a bottle. Oh. The one where Mariotta walked out. Mariotta, there, and, and they thought he just gave a hologram in a hologram. Hologram in a hologram. That is, that is, and those people don't like that, but I actually think that is brilliant sci-fi writing. That is brilliant to you. I'll, I'll be honest now, when I want to watch Star Trek, right, as a, you know, as a committed stoner, let's be honest about <laughs> it. Yeah. I want time travel. Right. Alternate realities. <laughs> this is what I want, sci-fi, 
you know, stuff, hologram stuff was always right. brilliant, or anything to do with androids, invasion, that's what I wanted. Mm. Not love stories. No. I know, I was saying... You're not, you're not going to get into the higher planes through a love story, are you? No, and this is what sci-fi was about, and I know there's people who don't like that. Our mate Kev, who got mm. into it because of Next Gen, yeah. he liked the ones like us, didn't he? Mm-hmm. But it always seemed to be more of the bloody... <laughs> The other ones, didn't it? I know towards yeah. the end that did change that the ratio show to physics. You wanted physics, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it was one of the things where a little bit like we discussed with friends the other day where the middle series was a bit rubbish. You know, Chandler went off because he, because Matthew Perry was having his problems. And, Sorry, uh, I watched the Brad Pitt one today. That is brilliant. Where, oh, where he hates Rachel. I, 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 hate I watched Rachel. that the other day. Oh, that's no, that eight. is a really good, he's eating pants. <laughs> Yeah. Right, at the end, just give me a sliver. <laughs> what? Because <laughs> that's my maternity dress. Yeah. I'll do! It's yeah, a brilliant episode. <laughs> yeah, because he eats all that turkey. And he, goes, <laughs> he goes, what you got there? He goes, slice of, slice of pie. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, cut me a slice of that. He goes, a little bit bigger. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Uh, God, it's, it's a shame they ain't doing one episode of America because we can talk about friends all day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I've totally lost train of thought of where he was now. Well, about basically. Oh, Data. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah I'll probably debate one of the best. Uh, I think he was the best character. Yeah. But perfectly played by Brent Spiner. And I know Brent Spiner turned around and said that he was glad when they, they kind of killed Data off, although they didn't really kill him off at the end because of the, the whole, you yeah. know. Um, because but he was saying that he was getting too old to play it. Well, I'm not being funny, but, you know, you have a black wig put on and gold paint. Yeah. You know, you, people aren't going to be. It's not like Tom Baker suddenly putting on a scarf and being <laughs> Doctor Who again, but he can turn around and say, hold on a minute, he's got tight, short, white hair and he's yeah, quite yeah, big. Yeah. You know, I, I think people wouldn't... And as Rico turned around and said on his comment, that I, I, I would love to see another TNG movie because out of all of the Star Treks, um, when you look at Virgin or on Sky and you see what's on, you'll see DS9's on Voyager's on, or TNG. Out of all of them, TNG still gets, if I see a TNG episode, I still get excited about wanting to watch it. DS9 did have some brilliant brilliant episodes towards the end, the Dominion and all that, but it was just so terrible the end. Well, yeah, and I, I also I watched the one the other day, the uh, Tribbles one, where uh, it was oh, an no, that which, is which is just. I, I think that was voted the best ever episode because oh, it, it is an amazing. Like, yeah. It's just technically brilliant. brilliant it's like that bit even the bit where the ones that kept falling out in his head yeah, and, and he's throwing them down yeah, it's yeah. so well done and it seems it? to work even better than the original one where Kurt yeah. just goes and the someone fight. fix that hat and, and, and the, the fight, fight. yeah check out I know yeah so the last couple of characters before we head into trivia man well we'll have another coming he's uh, well let's talk about Richard William Wheaton the third Will Wheaton who um, is now most well known for being the uh, president of anything to do with geekdom he's uh, yeah, yeah. appeared in the brilliant guild web series done by Felicia Slides, Day. he was really uh, yeah he's uh, so he was born uh, July 29th 1972 in Burbank California um, and he's married to Anne Prince so uh, he's been married uh, since 1999 he lived with his wife and two stepsons in uh, California most well known to me and he still is most well known to me as in Stand By Me yeah awesome film that is that is a really good film. I remember, remember, do you remember? Oh, I took that into school, didn't I? I On video, and we watched it in the yeah, class. Yeah, we watched it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because we had the book. Yeah, yeah, because we had the book. Yeah, there was yeah. Really being a film obsessive. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, what's his name in that? Isn't it uh, Richard Dreyfus plays the older version? He does. Right? No, it's, it's a really no, voice only. Yeah, it's no. a really no. It's, 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 it's a lovely film. Even though it's got some really horrible bits in it. There's horrible bits in the it. Well, the whole bit. thing about the body, of course. Yeah, and the sick bits are horrible. Oh yeah, and but it's also the fact. And he's abused, isn't he, by one of them? The one kid is abused by his dad. Is it not River Phoenix's? 
Riverfest. Riverfest. Is it Riverfest? Yeah, yeah. But it's so sad because it is about friend, true friendship. True friendship, and uh, And very rare. It's like what you were saying earlier on. I mean, you've known each other for 25 years. Yeah. We still hang around the same guy for the past 20, 25 yeah. years. Uh, very rare, and I think stand by me. Well, you uh, think about it. Up. I've stalled you more than 25 years, and in anyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you think about it, no one's listening. Yeah, well, we, we, we're still friends, unbelievable. Uh, yeah, so uh, Will Reardon, of course, plays our, our, our mm. probably least favourite uh, character. Yeah, because so we but, had but, some good episodes. Yeah, some good episodes. And I know a lot of people really do like Wesley Christie, oh. but unfortunately I'm in the, the ballpark of... Um, because it's a bit like Adric in Doctor Who, really. Yeah, I, yeah. I love Doctor Who, and I always wanted to be the Doctor. I never wanted to be Adric. And the same with, with, with Star Trek, you know, we regrown up because we, uh, Will, Will Wheaton's a year older than us. So we're literally the same age. So really, we should identify more with Wesley because it's the uh, same age. But I just thought, I'd never want to be like you. I know Gene Wilder was saying that, that's why he wanted to be as a kid. I wouldn't want to. Will Riker, that's where I want to be. I want to be playing his trombone, yeah. chatting up the ladies and having a good position to command. I didn't want to be just this know-it-all obnoxious kid who if we knew him at school oh. would have been punched repeatedly oh and it, I, it was just a stupid way that he'd be being he was a normal kid then all of a sudden become this weird with the traveller yeah with the traveller it's like how can he just become like that yeah because he ain't superhuman he's, per, he's a person yeah he had some good episodes in it he did like there's that really good one where they go back to what is it the academy mm. and uh, Fingers in it Tom Paris is in it yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's not it, Tom Paris. But even though he is. Yeah, it's Tom Paris. I know, but some of it is Tom Paris. And that's a really good episode, that, isn't it? Where he has to, yeah, he has to get demoted, about, yeah. to uh, be honest. And that's a good episode. But, that, yeah, but that's, that's another good way of the way TNG does, is where he brings in the, the issue of morals. Yeah. And to be fair, the, 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 the episode with Wesley was always about moral issues. Yeah. And the, the trouble is, is that... Um, one of the Wesley heavy episodes is one of the worst episodes ever done which is the Anomaly Ladies did a programme about it the other a couple of months ago which is basically the porn episode where they've got those stupid oh, little I things like it. on the game the game I like that episode do you like that episode yeah I do how can you like that episode do you episode? know why they go oh no oh. I like it because I like the way he beats everyone the only good he thing even about beats that data at the end with the light yeah and he looks because he's got the silhouette of data yeah I like that episode but, oh really yeah I do I don't know why I just Oh, and the woman in that he's um oh how annoying she's quite a big actress now oh well, that's going out the window I know Teddy Hatcher was in uh, was she was she yeah she oh, played uh, oh, she, played she was um no she was in a little tiny bit she was uh, on the uh, uh, Teddy Porter she was doing that oh right okay. yeah she was doing it for about a second a little bit of information about Wesley Crusher was a gifted son of Starfleet officers Lieutenant Commander Jack Crusher and of course his mother was Beverly Crusher born in 2348 his promising Starfleet career was cut short leading him to a unique life accompanying the trans-dimensional Tau Alpha and dubbed the Traveller mm. last seen in 2370 he eventually finished his training as you do yeah, just uh, become a... and become a full-fledged Starfleet officer holding the rank of Lieutenant Junior Grey by 2379 um, yeah, his character again got bigger as um, as they went along, didn't they? It's just like that house. Yeah, yeah. okay. Should we have a have a uh, another audio comment? Go on. Here is a comment from the anomaly ladies Jen and Angela, followed by anomaly correspondent Sue from New York. Okay. Okay, what are we doing? Well, we're supposed to talk about. TNG, TNG and, and what TNG means to me. means to us, but also, Ned said the rubbish parts, too. The rubbish parts, too. 
Love it. So we should probably introduce ourselves first before okay. we go into it. All right. Hi, Meds. Hi, Kel. This is Jen. And this is Angela. From the Anomaly Podcast. Hello. And we're both huge TNG fans. Huge. Huge tracks of TNG. <laughs> that was very bizarre, what you just said. <laughs> but yes, we are huge TNG fans and huge fans of old Captain Pickard. <laughs> Jean-Luc Pickard. Pickard. <laughs> He's our favorite. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, he's one of my favorites. Yeah. We were in junior high whenever... Junior high when it came out, and I remember I just sequestered... That was... It, it came... It was syndicated in the, in Texas, in the United States, at 10.30 on CBS station, mm-hmm. where I lived, and probably the same exact yep. station where you lived, and that was my time. Nobody else got the TV. Yeah. <laughs> that was my time to watch TNG. Right after the nightly news. Right after the nightly news. And sometimes I'd go back and forth between that and Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Just so I'd have something to talk about but mm-hmm. in on Monday. But, but yeah, it was, all, it was all TNG all the time. I watched it literally as it was on for all, all seven years. Yep. That me was too. me. That was yeah. me. <laughs> I think the Loved first... I, I remember the thing that hooked me right away. <clears throat> Again, being a middle school student, um, was Jordy's kick-ass sunglasses. The, <laughs> That's yeah. what I thought when I saw him. Because I thought they were sunglasses. They look like a banana clip. A banana clip spray-painted gold. <laughs> they but were. To me, they were cool-looking sunglasses. And he was reclined in behind the um, station that he was in. Oh, yeah. The con. The, the, the con, yeah. And uh, he just looked like he was in a lowrider. You, know? you just thought that was cool, was like, huh? Cool, yeah. I remember that striking me right away. But, yeah. I have to say I liked the the new slash sixties version of the mini dresses because and I know they didn't keep them for very long but I love them when I make my uniform I'm making well I have to make my Troy dress first but then I'm gonna make a mini dress because mm-hmm. I just the TNG mini dress it was short lived but I wish it would have stayed around and I got you for your birthday one year the, yes the pattern from Roddenberry.com yes for Troy's mini skirt dress which is what. I'm, yeah, I'm going to make it as mm-hmm. soon as I can. Probably. I have the one from the season that Ensign Rowe is on. Yes. So I like Ensign Rowe. Yeah. So what else about TNG? It's okay. just awesome. It gives you a happy about? feeling. It does. It does. Every time it comes on to the, the um, theme song gives me goosebumps. I wouldn't go that <laughs> far, but I would say that it's just it's like seeing an old friend. And it makes me happy. Even if I, I remember... Um, I had this friend, Will, who was one of my really good friends in college, and, and we were texting, you know, not texting, but IMing back in the day, and I was just like, I'm so sad, blah, blah, this, blah, blah, that, I'm sad about this, I'm sad about that, and he said, Angela, go watch an episode of TNG, <laughs> and I said, okay, thank you, <laughs> and it did make me feel better, it really did, so there you go. I mean, I don't know if there's anything left to say what about that. What are our favorite that. episodes? Well, everybody knows my favorite episode. Time Everyone. Zero. Holla. I thought it was um, um, the one with Data. The Time Zero? Well, <laughs> aside from most of them are, are, most of our favorite episodes are Data-centric. Okay. But the um, A Measure of a Man. Oh, that's a good one, too. But it's still uh, one notch down because Time Zero just has everything. Yeah. And you can listen to one of the Anomaly podcasts and we talk all about it. <laughs> My favorite episode is, well, I have several, but one of them is The Child. Yeah, Troy, that's weird to me, but I think it's cool that you like it. I like that one. It's a tearjerker for me. 
And it always has been. I always loved huh. it. But um, and then also Fistful of Datas. Oh, that's a good one. Especially and, the end. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was another one I really... Parallels was I, awesome. I was just going to say that. Parallels is like, an, unfortunately, I'm not one, I'm not a big Klingon fan. Like, I, there's only very few um, Worf episodes that I like. But Parallels is definitely... It's really up there. It's some, not just a favorite Worf episode, but like a favorite episode, definitely. Mm-hmm. Parallels is awesome. Yeah. What were the other ones we had on our list that we like that eventually we want to cover? Um... Oh, gosh. I like Data's Day. Yeah. That's that a really good, good one. Um, what was the one where where Guinan and... Uh, Love Guinan. Guinan and Picard were little kids. <gasps> oh, yes. The um, Rascals. The Rascals. That's an... And, and it's... Uh, yeah, Guinan, Picard, Roe, and uh, O'Brien's wife. I can't remember her name. She's awesome, though. Yes. Oh, man, I'm drawing a blank. Yep. Hoshi. No. No, Hoshi's from Enterprise. Yeah. You're a horrible fan. I know. I'm going to take your card away. It's well, because she mine was a too. mean wife. She was not. In DS9, she became very gripey. Oh, okay. I didn't watch very much DS9. Yeah. Anyway. That's hilarious. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that, that was kind of weird, though, because she was a little like a little kid and they were married and when they tried to approach that 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 was a little creepy yeah that was that was a little creepy yeah. but uh what are the worst ones oh well the game the game we covered we covered what, on anomaly yeah. uh, the, uh, the next one we're gonna do is the one that's like the horrible soap opera um episode where crusher goes and visits her grandmother's oh yes <laughs> and the poltergeist guy Seduces her. Yeah, that's weird. That was a weird episode. One. That is a weird episode. But I just, I, I'm sorry. Subrosa. It was called Subrosa. Sub-Rosa. Yeah. Um, there's a couple in season one that I don't like. There's one with where that Ferengi who has something against Picard. Oh, where they like zoom in on. Yeah, his Yeah, they face. zoom in on his face. It's very bizarre. On, on the view screen. Yeah, yeah. that one like is. That one either. That's not one of my favorites. Darmok. Darmok, you like Darmok. I love Darmok. Well, I was just going to say, Very quotable. I, I don't remember the name of the episode, but one of my personal favorites is um, the one where they get, uh, where Troy is stuck in charge of the Enterprise, where, oh, yeah. and Picard has those three kids with him. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of the episode. Jaka, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that is, that's another really good episode in how, and I think it's it's a later season episode because Rose in it, isn't yeah. she? And she's always like, she's butting heads with uh, Deanna about her well, decisions. Which makes sense, though. Like, if you were her, you would probably do that because Troy, at that time, did not have command experience yet. She hadn't taken her test yet. So, and that's, I think, what happened to make her want to be a commander. Yeah. So, anyway. So, I, I really, I don't know why. I just like that episode because I just think the kids are cute and, mm-hmm. and Picard with kids is hilarious. <laughs> he got better with kids. He, he hated did. them in the beginning. He did. I love the one where he he made uh, Wesley get off the bridge or out of his seat or something. Uh, Remember that? Well, yeah, because something happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wesley could only like stay in the <laughs> in the turbo lift. He could not touch the bridge. Right. Yeah. Ah, uh, Wesley. Okay. Anyway. All right. I think that's good. We've talked for quite a while. Yep. Does it feel like a while? <laughs> it does. Well, we love TNG. And Picard. And we think you guys are awesome. Yes. Thank you for uh, taking our comments and doing this episode. Yay. Cheerio. <laughs> Hi, Meds and Cal. This is Sue, or Spaltor. And I was just downloading some new podcasts when I remember that you guys are going to be covering TNG, and I wanted to send in a comment. Uh, TNG is the Star Trek that I really grew up with. It started 
uh, airing when I was really young. And my brother was a big Star Trek fan already. He was watching it. My brother's 13 years older than I am. And he... uh, My first big memory is when he threw a party for the premiere of The Best of Both Worlds Part 2 at the beginning of Season 4. And all his geeky uh, high school friends were over. I didn't realize they were total nerds at the time. But, you know, looking back they were total 80s nerds um, but they had a sign up in the living room with their pizza and their whatever and the sign that said go Borg and I you know I had no idea at that point what was really happening but then I sat down and I watched it with them they tolerated me and I was just blown away by you know I guess it was the first time I saw a community around a TV show and that was really really cool um The other thing that immediately springs to mind when I think about watching TNG is that when the finale aired, The Best of of Both Worlds, uh, All Good Things, I was on a Girl Scout trip. And the last day of the Girl Scout trip was the day that the, the finale was going to air. And... The way they had the everything set up to when we were going to get back, it was going to be cutting it really, really close. And it was a very big deal for me that I got home in time to watch All Good Things because I was a nerd. Um, but TNG in general, uh, well, I'm not a big fan of season two because there's no Beverly. And I uh, have admitted before and will continue to do so that I am a big fan of that whole Picard and Crusher relationship. And I have my own theories about what was going on and, and, you know, why Beverly really left the ship and why she really came back and what was going on behind the scenes and all those times that, you know, she walked into his quarters and drank from his teacup and whatever else. But uh, I will spare you most of those. Um, The other thing is that I had a really big crush on Brent Spiner, uh, or possibly Data, because I was 13, who knows uh, which it really was. (laughs) But uh, yeah, that's that's my two little embarrassing bits about TNG. And uh, going back and watching it now, I love how bad it is at times. It's... um, It's very much, you know, I remember where I was and what I thought of it when I first saw an episode, and then I look at it now and I'm like, oh my goodness, how did I think this was awesome? But at the same time, it's still so awesome. I'm not sure that makes any sense at all. But it's it's how I think of TNG. It's like, I, I can put it on and I can watch pretty much any episode, and it's kind of like a comfort thing. Like, I know what's going to happen, and I know these characters, and they've been, you know, something I've been familiar with for such a long time that uh, Tangi is really, you know, my first Star Trek love and really my first science fiction love. And, you know, that's why I, I always gravitate towards it when people ask me. I am a Star Trek fan. I am a Tangi fan. And everything else kind of branched off from there. And again, like a lot of my, my geekitude, I owe a lot of it to my brother. But uh, I've rambled on for long enough. Guys, have a great show and I look forward to it. Bye. Awesome comment there. Fantastic. Cool. Excellent. So I've got some trivia for you now. Go on then. Come out of the net for some trivia. Here we go. Um, I expect some oohs and some ahs. I will. All right then. Uh, here is some trivia. If you look closely at the Enterprise during the flyby in the opening credits, you can see someone walking past the windows. According to Mike Kuda, I must point out Mike Kuda does some fantastic mm. tech books on Trek. Uh, in the Star Trek, the official fan club magazine. This is Captain Picard. How does he work that one out? Who knows? Um, 
Star Trek Generation has made over 500 million in syndication and merchandise. Bloody hell. Yeah. That's why you can't believe they never... Jumped more on the it's bandwagon. It's the cash cow in it, yeah. I can't believe. Uh, George LaForge is named after a real Star Trek fan named George LaForge, who uh, unfortunately died from muscular dystrophy in 1975. Uh. Uh, we've already mentioned about Gene Roddenberry being uh, named after Wesley. Uh, Industrial Light and Magic, ILM, did especially effects shots only for Encounter at Farpoint. However, they get credit in every episode because of the extra stock footage for Enterprise flybys and such. Even ILML stock footage isn't used much more, uh, we know as filming it, except when the Enterprise enters warp. Uh, a Matter of Time was originally uh, wrote because Robin Williams was a fan of the show and was one uh, due to appear, but unfortunately the script was ready for shooting, he couldn't do it, and so the role was taken by Matt Frewer. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, most known, lately for... Um, What's it called? Um, Max Hedrum. Yeah, Max Hedrum, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, favorite, yeah. The transporter effect. You want to know how they go do on that? Go on then, tell me. Yeah, go on. You've, been, you've been teeing this up since you got here, so what is it? <laughs> you fill a canister with water, okay? Then you add glitter and shine a light through it, stir briskly and tape it. Unbelievable. Right. Oh, that's really good, isn't yeah. it? You then film the scene first, right, with the actor, and then without or vice versa. And then you transfer the scene to tape and use the video technology to matter, to glitter over the actor. So then you merge the glitter going around in that canister over the actor and then you wipe it and that's how you get the wipe down. And that's how you get it. So all it is is a canister of water with glitter, shine the light through it and spin it around and that's how you get the transfer. Yeah, that, that, that shows you all the effects, all the CGI that comes down to it. A good prop man can do a lot of stuff, can't they? Damn right. Uh, interesting about, of course, about the transporter is the original discs that Kirk and that stood on is actually on the ceiling. Oh. Yeah, yeah. so if you look, go back and look at it, that, the pads that they originally stood on is now on the ceiling of the transporter. Bloody hell. There you go. Um, hmm. Have you ever wondered about how they work out the star dates? Yeah, because they don't make any sense of what period they're coming from. Here we go then. Uh, after the random star dates in the original Star Trek, the powers to be decided on a more logical way to determine a star date. Thus the following came about. So here's an example, right? Captain's log, star date 45076.3. Okay? The four represents that the series takes place in the 24th century. Yeah, yeah, I get that. According to an original writer's guide, although Deep Space Nine may change that. It also has been noticed that 1,000 star dates pass with every year. The five represents the season number of TNG without, without exception. The 076 represents a portion of the season that advances during TNG, and the point 0.3 represents a portion of a day thereof. Oh, that's quite okay. interesting. During the pre-recorded subspace messages and recorded logs of away teams, both the current star date and the current time in 24-hour military format down to the second are shown on the bottom of the screen. Uh, on the next generation, the following uniform calls, oh, we've done that already, don't need to mention that. Uh, and uh, so that's the, uh, the little bit about the trivia facts there. Uh, some aliens in TMG. Ooh, now you're getting into it. Straight away, who was your favourite? I'll, I'll, I'll call it Baddie. The Baddie, right. Mine was the Cardassians. And mine. Oh, right, okay. And mine. Only, More interesting. Can I say why? Why? The actor uh, who played, who's, you know him, in Omen. David Warner. David Warner. Brilliant actor. His portrayal in that one, how many lights do you see? Is brilliant. And I only, for that, uh, that episode, um, um, 
John, uh, John Luke, uh, Patrick Stewart went and watched uh, quite a few video air type of uh, people who had been uh, uh, taken uh, hostage. Uh, my uh, King or something. Yeah, no, I love Gold Cart. You know, I love Gold Cart. Yeah, and um, oh, and um, uh, Scorpio. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, Andy, Andy Robinson. Yeah, he's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. His character in a... I know we're going off. Yeah, it's not. He's a really interesting character. Yeah. Really interesting character. Yeah, I'm really no, I'm trying, I love all just trying to it. remember his name now. You know, uh, so many people are shouting at us. Yeah, I love I love that stuff. With him. He was part of the Obsidian Order mm. and all that. I love all that stuff. It was a Guldekart. It was Tyler, weren't it? It was Tyler. Oh, so many people have been yeah, saying yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, the Kardashians was my... Brilliant. my I know it was all... My problem... With some of the TNG, you know, you know what I'm going to say it. Sort of the way Doctor Who is obsessed with the Daleks. He's too obsessed with the Borg. With the Borg, yeah. You know, they were brilliant. Mm. They were brilliant, but they'd always bring it back. I always thought he's like a bit of a like. You shouldn't feel you have to throw him in. Doctor Who's stuck like that now, isn't it? Yeah, it's obsessed with that. They have to throw him in. Mm. You know, it's like you know, I, I love all the Borg stuff. He was obsessed with it. Garak, yeah. <laughs> he was obsessed with it in Voyager. Yeah. They bought, you know, seven and nine in. They're obsessed with it in that. I love Starship. I love that Enterprise series. I know most people hated it, but that was obsessed with the bloody Borg towards the end as well. It was just too much, wasn't too it? Too much Borg, yeah. It's too, I mean, too much. Other aliens in uh, TNG, well, what we just going to say the Borg and the Cardassians. The Ferengi, um, mm, who could be good. Bit, bit, yeah. Could be uh, Klingon. Good. Yeah, Klingon, Klingon. They, well, they had their moments, didn't they? Of, you know. I loved the um, the culture of the uh, Klingons. I loved all the Batliff and the House of all you know the House of Morgan all that. Mm. I loved all that stuff, but they weren't really they weren't really bad. They come into it. There was the Jurass sisters, weren't they? Yeah, they were the yeah, they, they were they, they, they were quite weird. good. And, and then, outfit must have been a bit yeah, weird. and Alexander Alexander Wolf. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was quite interesting um, stuff. You had Romulans, which of course had Denise Crosby turn back up again. Uh, from the Rom the Romans were, were probably the nastiest party when it comes down yeah, to because they, they were, were always scheming to bring down the Federation. No, they were nasty people, weren't they? No. And they were always good to see with no crop up. And uh, of course, that was the main episode that had uh, Leonard Nimoy turn back up as Spock, uh, uh, which was unification. Unification. That's really a really good episode. That and was. of course, uh, the, um, the 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 recurring character of Q, played by the wonderful now, what John. What do you Delancey. think of Q? I think he is brilliant, but I think that they. Changed his character too much, I think. I, I liked the way when they started off because he made a counter at Firepoint, but I didn't really agree with the way mm. they went with him. Do you know what episode I absolutely love with Q though? I know it's not it's not TNG, but it, you know it's all in the same world. His yeah. was the one when he wanted to kill himself, when he wanted yeah. to die, and he took you to the um, he took you to the Q where there all was, and it was all them people just sitting on the road, yeah, bored, just bored, waiting because there's nothing to do, because yeah. they know everything, and yeah. he wanted to die because he wanted a normal life. Oh, I love that episode. Yeah. And there was sadness beyond Q's so character. Was, and the good thing about that, though, is that Kate Mulgrew, who, who plays Jane Wayne, I know people hate her, we said, we oh, think, think she's, she's the best captain. I think she's the best captain yeah, yeah, no, out of uh, anyone. Absolutely, oh, Mrs. Colombo. Yeah. She was like, just right. really tough, awesome. really yeah. tough, and she weren't weak. That's what a female captain would be. It's yeah. like looking at Margaret Thatcher, or no, Australia's yeah. new Prime Minister is one, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I have all the time in the world for Kate Mulgrew. I think she's brilliant. And, and, and I know people hating for her, because there's loads of people hating for her. We would be fans of her. I think 
most people need to, to read. We were big fans of it. I mean, me and Kev we were a really, huge fans. Really, when you it. think about it, that was probably our series we watched from the beginning, you know. To the end. To the end, live. Religiously. You know, yeah, when it was yeah. going around the world. Well, we, we made that. Voyager was the one that we made, a, made an event of, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, it was like, got Kev into it, didn't he? Kev, who weren't a Trekkie fan. Well, I mean, Kate Mulgrew and John Delancey are very, very good friends in Oh, they had a really good relationship. They had a good relationship, though. Yeah, Q, I really like. Here's some last three interesting points before I read out our email from Catherine. He's a Picard. But bear in mind, this whole of TNG is about the Prime Directive. Yeah. Picard violates the Prime Directive in ten episodes throughout the series. That's ten times he breaks the Prime Directive. That's quite a bit yeah. when you think about it. Wesley saves the day in ten episodes as well, but screws up in four. Yeah. And uh, eleven episodes of TNG uh, relate to time travel. Which is the best. I tell you, I thought I always thought it was really interesting. This is a, a thing that we talk about quite a lot. Religion was never touched on in TNG, was it? No, not really. Never touched on. Now, you know, I don't get into a bit deep about this now, but there's some a lot of interesting things about TNG if you look at it, right? Next Generation, the Federation, right? Mm-hmm. If you look at it politically, it's communism. Communism stripped away money and religion. Them two things are supposed to hold man back. Mm-hmm. And they talk about that. They got rid of money and got rid of war and got rid of everything. Yeah. Because it held man back. They become purely science. Yeah. And But there is that point now where me and you have talked about mm. where there is a point of if you're doing a job, if there's no money in the Federation, right, why would you do the low menial job and then yeah. turn around what and say, do they tell you it's all about empower, it's about empowerment and about you know you're doing it for society mm. the man doing the lowest job why would he do that for nothing yeah. because he's never going to get now, there's a point of course that you know the, the whatever job it doesn't matter from the lowest job to the highest job every role in starfleet counts because every, That's every what the side, but, turns uh, the system which but, is communism but well yeah but of course communism doesn't work because there's no, no self-gain and unfortunately human nature is self-gain yeah you know it's and there was money it was gold latinum yeah that's what they were oh, as monty python turned around and said you can keep your marxist ways because it's only just a phase it's, it's money that makes this world go round. i know I, <laughs> I really do i used to watch it thinking it's stripped it stripped out everything well, and it talk it about it breaches on socialism and it breaches on communism and it's talks about this thing where you know it's a federation everyone's equal apart from most of the people are humans yeah with the bloke in it well you think well it's not really an open thing is it which is just like communists I mean, like russia they went into all these states and said oh you could be part of the soviet empire but you ain't gonna run it or doing it basically no. you've been in all the manual jobs <laughs> no it's really i was that really really interesting yeah no good point good point like it uh, so here's the email that we got from our good friend Catherine over in Berlin in Germany. Oh, good. I love Germany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello, Kelly and Meds. Uh, I'm quite happy to see you share the opinions of BBC America. <laughs> good point. Oh, yeah. uh, one British actor, actor is absolutely enough to count Star Trek The Next Generation as a British show, especially if this actor is Patrick Stewart. A disclaimer, I'm very biased. Next Generation changed my life, and in the end, it is even responsible for me listening to waffle on. Oh. Yeah. With the 80s and 90s, I connect to school. That's unnecessarily evil. You have to endure. You'll rarely be asked what you want to learn or what not. So 11 years old me is sitting there in my first ever English lesson wanting to be somewhere else. We had to draw notes with new English names on them. And then my first English sentence ever, hello, my name is Anne. That's spelt E-double-N. No flu held. Now, traumuted to Mrs. Hero, didn't become my favourite English teacher. That honour goes to another hero of mine, Captain Picard. 
I guess I have to explain. It's the early 90s, and Star Trek The Next Generation is in the middle of its run. I couldn't get enough of it. It was my most favourite show ever, outshining everything else. I obviously was a huge fan, and would even stand up in the middle of the night to watch reruns of episodes I had missed. One day, I learned the most amazing thing. There was a Stephen, a ginger-haired guy in school, who owned Next Generation episodes that hadn't even aired in Germany by that date. No, not some grainy, low-quality bootleg. They officially released tapes from the UK, imported by a comic shop, and he was so kind to borrow them to me. Geeks rule. He was very anglophile, and to this day, I always think fondly of him whenever I hear Weirdy Del, especially that scene in the white and nerdy music video when Al gets the Star Wars holiday special tape out. (laughs) Weird Al. So, imported from the UK, there's a downside. It's in the original language the dreaded English. By then, I already had English for a few years, so you shouldn't be surprised I understood nothing. Mm. Well, Captain Picard, yes, a bit. Make it so. But the others, no, not so much. Further, did you ever notice the voices didn't fit the characters? No, I'm just kidding. That's a side effect from being used to the German voice actors dubbing the parts. Mm. Anyway, I suddenly was very determined to learn that language, and I did this the very best way possible, by listening to Star Trek The Next Generation again and again and again. And that is the story how Captain Picard became my favourite English teacher. I admit that it's unfair, it's an ensemble show and many people in front and behind the cameras contributed to its success. I'm thankful to all of them to create some great entertainment and also something very rare, a mainstream science fiction show. Watching it today, I do notice many flaws, but some episodes age really well. They're able to touch me like they did about 20 years ago. Star Trek The Next Generation once meant the world to me. Know the universe, all the universes, and no matter what, it'll always have a place in my heart. As a side effect, Sir Patrick also sparked my esteem of Great Britain, its culture, and its people. And with that, back to you, dear hosts, and listeners of this wonderful British podcast. I nearly cried then. That's a very emotional. That's very lovely. That is. Wasting us. That's stone hearts there. That is. That is an email that is uh, wrote from the heart. That is wrote from the heart. And is uh, beautiful. Thank you so much, Katie, for that. Uh, I must admit, um, uh, it's a a, a brilliant email. As with all the other comments that we've had, we've got one last comment to play. Yeah. And then we'll be back. And this is from. This is a, 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 a a trio. Together, a menage a trois, but without not, any not, uh, like a barbershop quartet. Well, it could well be, right. there could be singing. <laughs> uh, I'm not too sure. It's not the big Rick flats. Moyers involved, there could be singing. We have Rick, we have Kenny from the Knights of the Girl podcast. As long as not rapping, there's no rapping. And uh, <laughs> Kenny's partner, Harry. So, uh, take it away, boys. Cheerio. All right, I don't do a very good English accent now that uh, now that you've pointed that out, Meds. Hi, Meds and Kel. This is Rick Moyer. And guess what? I'm not alone. With me at my very own house. This is so cool. Happens to be Kenny and Harry. Yay! <laughs> yeah, we, we heard that you were looking for comments about the next generation. And uh, I don't know about you, Meds, but TNG is probably one of my favorite all-time Star Trek series. I don't. How about you, Kenny? Uh, it's number one for me. Good. What's your favorite episode? Oh, you can't put me on the spot like that. I did, I'm doing too it. too many favorite episodes. I know, me too. Too many. Probably, I would say, 
I don't want to go with everyone's inner light because I love that. Episode. I like that one. But a lot. Time Zero. Oh yeah. I really like that two parter. Yes, yes. That was my favorite. <laughs> but I can pick favorites from every season, so. Yes. What's your favorite TNG episode, I Harry? I have to go with Times Arrow. Yeah, that was a really good one. Yeah, I thought that was awesome. I'm just a huge Guinan fan. Yes. So any any story based on her. Well, I thought it was cool that they got to go back and find out kind of a little bit about relationship of mm-hmm. Picard and Guinan, and yeah. then of course I'm always a sucker for a good sci-fi where there's a, where there's a robotic head involved. <laughs> and <laughs> when they found his head down underneath the, the that was just show, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. You know, they probably could have done a lot better job nowadays with the with the makeup on that, but that was pretty darn cool. I think they did really good. Yeah. Really yeah, good it was job. a really good. Yeah. It was very cool. Yeah. And of course, the who doesn't like a good story about aliens out of phase? And snakes on canes, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. come on, this is—they were so imaginative. But I think, I think one of the reasons I love TNG so much is it was kind of an underdog. You know, there was TOS and Kirk and Spock and all those guys. Then they came out with this new one, yeah. And I was so excited about seeing it done with new techniques and special effects because the old one at that time wasn't enhanced, yeah. And so it was really cheesy and campy, yeah. And they did, oh man, I'll never forget the first episode going. So when the when the camera pans down across the top of the ship and an oak goes inside and there's the crew, ah, it was so cool. And that was a that was an homage to the first one, yeah. but you have a whole new crew. That's what's funny is I didn't watch because I watched TOS occasionally here and there, but I wasn't a huge fan. I was more of a Star Wars fan. Oh, so I would I would watch TOS when it was on, you know, midnight or wherever it was on, right. and I enjoyed the episodes. But I wasn't a diehard fan. So when Next Generation came out, I didn't jump on it. So I didn't see it in probably until episode seven. Oh, you're kidding. No. So I didn't even see the first episode until they repeated it. Oh, that was a while away. So, yeah. So wow. I started with, like, episode seven. But I fell in love with it instantly and, like, it got, kicked myself for not watching the first few I episodes. I think that the first few episodes weren't that good. I mean, they were, they were fine in their legs is what it was. Yeah. And by, by episode seven, they had ramped it up a little bit better. But I happen to know that the a certain podcast host which will remain nameless meds i mean oh gosh doesn't really like the first season at all and and i have to say that the one of the good gauges as far as i'm concerned of how the quality of the show and the writing the longer that Worf's hair got the better the series became <laughs> and they changed his character over the time you know definitely and it, wasn't it so cool to think of a klingon on the bridge of the enterprise yeah yeah that's <laughs> so different was very different yeah and and of course you were saying i thought this was really interesting i'm sure that these guys have covered it. I don't know if they have or not. But um, it was weird second season when they didn't have Denise Crosby as mm. Tasha and they didn't have Beverly Crusher yeah. or Gates McFadden as Gar- yeah. Gary. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, as Dr. Crusher. Yeah. And uh, we were talking about the, the hate for Dr. Pulaski. And I don't understand it. I love Dr. Pulaski. I thought she was great. I would have married her. Well, I wouldn't go that far. I'm joking. <laughs> Amy's like, no, 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 no. I wouldn't have married her. But I thought she was more like Bone, the character of Bones I liked in the original. Her inter- I liked her relationship with Data, and I liked her relationship with Worf, and I liked yeah. her re- relationship with Picard. Yeah. yeah. Well, she was on the original, yeah, but yeah. not as Dr. Pulaski. Yeah. She, she, was, um, she was the lady with the coat, uh, or she was the blind lady with the sensory... The dress yeah, that censored, censored coat. Yeah, that was cool. And she was also another character on uh, she was TOS. Was a crew member? Yeah, from TOS. Yeah, what, wasn't it with she was the like a uh, nurse? Or... Yeah, something like a doctor or something. Yeah. Oh, she was in that really. Co- We're not supposed to be talking about the old series, but <laughs> but uh, the original series. She was in that one where they had the receptacles mm. uh, uh-huh. that talked, and the, those were cool. Yeah. I always wanted to meet one of those. Yeah, I think Harry's watched more TOS than I have. I mean, 
I, I, I used to watch T TOS. It, it ran every, every year at Christmas for, for at least five, five or oh, ten years. Yes. And it was driving my mom crazy because <laughs> I was sitting all, all, all day, day long in front, in front of, of the, the TV, TV. Watch, watching TOS. Yeah. And she always said, don't you get enough of the crap? Yeah, it's like, no. I can't <laughs> no, get enough did, Star Trek. He, what's funny is he's, he watched all of Next Generation in German. Yeah. It was oh. all dubbed. That must have been he something. Didn't, he didn't hear the English version until he watched my DVDs. Oh, that's and very I, interesting. The first time I, fi I figured out that there's a difference be between between the German and the and the English version is when I saw one TOS episode, the one with the Nazis, yeah. that, the, that they never broadcasted in Germany. They never and, put it in Germany, and and, and and I suddenly got got to hear them in the, in their real voice because it was oh. it was it wasn't up, and I thought. Hey, Scotty doesn't sound anything like that. That's, that's yeah. right. I can't get enough power, Captain. That's awesome. Can you imagine Scotty with a German accent? No, or that wouldn't he work. Said, yeah. He said Worf was, the, I think, the biggest difference between German and, and English. And English yeah. It's actually the weirdest thing. The the actor who does the dubbing in in German for McCoy yeah. does also the dubbing for, for for all the West heroes in Westerns. Oh, so, that's so, funny. So that that sounds. Hey, that yeah, just I know isn't that voice. Right. That doesn't work. What's he doing in space? <laughs> yeah, that doesn't right. That is so funny. Well, what would you say? Um, because we have to wind up here in a minute. But what would you say your favorite character then on TNG is? Man, I know I'm putting you on the spot, aren't I? Are because there's so many. Um, Guinan. Okay. Yeah, I have something about oh, her, awesome. her character. Maybe it's just the the mystery of not knowing. And again, this 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 totally works with the first season not being so great because they didn't even have, have Guinan or Ten Forward until the second That's season. Right. Yeah. Well, how about you? Who's your favorite character on TNG, Harry? On early TNG, I would have to go with Data. Later TNG is definitely Worf. Yes, Worf was. He really became a really cool character. Yeah, because yeah, you really liked him in DS9. Yeah. Oh, it was great when they got him crossed yeah. over onto that. Yeah. Yeah. I think my favorite character was a cross up between Data or Picard. Okay. I like Picard because, and of course, this is the reason that you even have uh, the review of TNG is because you're. Yeah, what are you what, doing? What is this? Uh, TNG is an American TV series. Yeah, with a British captain, which is really from France. <laughs> He's from France, yeah. So. I don't know. <laughs> It was fun to go back to and see his vineyard and everything, wasn't it? Yeah. That was very, very Those cool. Those were really good episodes. Yeah, they were. But anyway, I think I think I like Picard because of his um you know, be the differences between Kirk and Picard were Kirk would always just be like a cowboy and knock his way through things. Picard was more of a philosopher and a and a Shakespearean type of yeah. a thinker. He's very diplomatic. And I and I love that about him. And I just I I learned more. It's so funny, people don't realize this. You can learn a lot by watching Star Trek about how to get along with people. <laughs> and they just really wrote it well, and I thought I like that. But the other part was Data. Data was like the the Spock character, but even more cool because he was want, longing to be human. And do you remember favorite scene from uh, TNG for me was when Leonard Nimoy and Brent Spiner shared mm. the screen during the one about Spock. Um, oh gosh, I know what that's called. What's that one? Um, um, Unification. <laughs> Unification Unification 1 and 2 yeah. Yeah. yeah When they shared that whole scene Where Spock was always Trying to get rid of his human part And then Data says So I guess what you've done um, Is is I've been searching all my life For what you're trying to get rid, get of. rid of Classic Gave me goosebumps <laughs> And I went Now that is awesome writing And yeah. great acting on yeah. their part So Anyway I really love TNG My It's probably Yeah it is my favorite it's series It's my favorite 
out of the Star Wars it's stuff. Tough, or Star Wars. <laughs> say Star Wars? <laughs> Use the force, Rick. Sorry, I meant Star Trek. And I would slap my wife. Well, I wouldn't slap my wife, but I'd get on her if she, she gets the wrong genre. <laughs> I can't believe I said that. Trying to edit. <laughs> but anyway, anything else you want to say about TNG? Um, no, it's just fantastic. I'm glad they're doing a podcast because it's worthy. Even oh. British American, it was Whatever. loved all over the world. So. Absolutely worthy of it. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. Harry, any last comments? No, not really. Nope. Okay, all right. Well, I want to leave you uh, all on the Waffle On audience because notice how slow we talked. I'm just gonna say that one more time. We talked very <laughs> slow, so you could understand us. Talk slower, Meds and Cal, because what in the world are you doing? No, uh, I want to leave you with something that I'm sure a lot of your audience has heard, but not all of them. I wrote a parody song a while back to uh, for the series TNG, and I used the ACDC song TNT and changed the words and, and sang it. You'll really enjoy this, and so this is called TNG. And uh, thanks again for your podcast. Uh, Meds, Kel, you're awesome. Keep waffling on just like we have for several minutes. Okay, so here's the song. Bye. Captain's log, stardate 41153.7. Our destination is planet Deneb 4, beyond which lies the great unexplored mass of the galaxy. USS Enterprise. Hey! Get off hey! my bridge! Hey! 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 Red alert! Hey! All crew to battle stations!
Recognize Picard, Jean-Luc, Captain. Recognize Riker, William T, Commander. Set auto-destruction sequence. Does the first officer concur? Yes, set auto-destruct sequence. Now. Auto-destruct will detonate in 4 minutes and 59 seconds. Well, that was a comment there from Rick, Kenny, and Harry. That was a long comment there, wasn't it? But it was yeah, good, wasn't it? Fair play to them. They put the more effort than we were. Well, yeah, well, that was the first time that they all met, uh, yeah. that Kenny met uh, Rick, so it was uh, awesome to have that comment. So thank you, guys. Thank you to everyone who has sent us in comments. Um, it's a long episode than, uh, than normal. Well, um, Apologise for that, but uh, Star Trek TNG, you can't really uh, yeah. cut that down. Um, Kel, anything you want to say before we go? No. I've just asked you this, I've got a plea, and okay. you've said I can do it. You can. Well, yeah, this is for any of my American chums out there. I call them chums, that's a very loose term. <laughs> um, listeners. Uh, but listeners, that's the word I'm at. <laughs> Basically, I'm really mad for Breaking Bad, and I've just watched Series 2 of Breaking Bad, and Series 3, Season 3, so they say, in America, he's on at the moment. Can someone tell me how good it is, and some, can someone burn me some copies off and get me to England? Because I'm desperate to watch Series 3. And that's got a link because Q's in it. Yeah, John Delancey. <laughs> yeah, John so, Delancey's in Breaking Bad too. So if any American fans are watching it, please can you send it me? Or let me know when it's coming out. Yeah, or any other way it. that Kel can get hold of Breaking Bad, please send to waffleonpodcast yeah. at googlemail.com. And you'll be so nice, I'll even send you some crunchy rocks over if you... Uh... Oh, there you go, crunchy rocks are uh, the prize for anybody yeah. who, uh, who sorts Kel out for the third not, series. Not sorts me out. Sort <laughs> don't, don't, don't even sort me out. <laughs> uh, so the usual uh, rules apply, as rules are even rules, are um, we have uh, we have... <laughs> <laughs> it's not Fight Club. Yeah, fight club. Do not mention Waffle Do not mention Country <laughs> Um Yeah, we do have a Facebook page, as we all know. Uh, please do head there and join. Um, another shout out to anybody uh, to send uh, Waffle on to your friends and your family because without you good listeners this show would be absolutely just be us two well, just like we've been doing for well, the last 15 years the past 25 years just talking <laughs> to each other but now we do it in, a, in front of a microphone uh, thank you for joining us uh, next month's episode is are we going to do it? Vic yeah. Reeves? It's all about Vic special? Vic Reeves special, yes. Now, is. our American friends will not know about Vic Reeves, but basically you think of madness in a comedy form, and there you go. Yep, it is. Basically, more like, I'd say, like Andy Kaufman. Ooh, yeah, good I think analogy. that's the same kind of thing, and just yeah, completely barman. The only man who can get away with wearing a white suit and be white. Yeah, and there's lots <laughs> to talk about in that. So. There is indeed. So we'll be back next month for uh, a Vic Reeves special. So if anybody is into Vic Reeves, uh, Joe... Uh, in London I'm looking at you um, please do send us in a comment mp3 or again uh, of course an email just like Katrin did and we'll read it out thanks for joining us we'll see you soon goodbye hi this is Al and this is Joyce and, and we're, we're huge, huge Disneyland, Disneyland fans in fact we love the place so much we started a podcast dedicated to the happiest place on earth in our show Tales from the Mouse House we'll offer up some news and updates on the resort give you some tips and tricks that we've discovered to help you get the most out of your Disneyland Resort vacation, let you in on some of the often overlooked gems we like to call hidden treasures, review some of the attractions that make the resort so much fun, and even review some of the places to satisfy your hunger attacks. So, after you're done learning all there is to know about classic BBC television from Meds and Kel's Waffle On podcast, check out Tales from the Mouse House in iTunes. What does Waffle On mean? Hmm, okay. To waffle on, from the ancient Latin phrase waffle onus, meaning to impart British television wisdom. Is that true? Uh, well, maybe.
Okay, so I made that part up. I thought so. So who can really tell me what waffle on means? When you're bored, where do you want to go? Nowhere. Who do you feel like seeing? No one. Boredom hurts in so many ways. Dull, restless, lack of imagination. Dirty Boxers can help. Dirty Boxers is a light-hearted daily show exploring the world around us in an entertaining but pointless manner. Covering tech, gizmos and gadgets, random politics, general UK stuff, music, scouting, depression and unspecific student life rubbish. Tell your iTunes right away if your boredom worsens, you have unusual changes in behaviour or you suddenly realise it is a podcast labelled explicit. Listeners should not subscribe to Dirty Boxers if they are easily offended, have high blood pressure or a weak heart. Some listeners may experience temporary blindness, comical male baldness, DVT, runny nose, cubic lice and a rare allergic reaction to cheese. Not suitable for asthmatics, diabetics, bedwetters or the Chinese. All subjects and commentary featured should be deemed untruths until proven otherwise. Some other Minor side effects could include nausea, vomiting, growth of additional breasts, arms and hands, short, bittery spouts of homosexuality, DDS, man flu, and being struck by lightning. Some or all views may not reflect those of the Scout Association, the Boy Scouts of America, their partners or affiliates. Only available in English and loose English at that. Ask your iTunes to see if Dirty Boxers is right for you. To find out more, go to www.dirtyboxers.co.uk. I didn't do anything. What did you do? I'm nothing. You're the bad one between the two of us. Well, that is true. <laughs> I'm Jen. And I'm Angela. And we're the socially functional co-hosts of Anomaly. The podcast with a unique perspective, a female perspective on all things geek. Star Trek. Star Wars. Lord of the Rings. Buffy. Firefly. Gaming. Books. Costuming. And general geek topics. The sometimes monthly, but always entertaining, Anomaly Podcast. Anomalypodcast.com Hi, this is Kenny. And this is Jenny. We're the hosts of Knights of the Guild, the official fan podcast for the award-winning web series, The Guild. We're not like your typical fan podcasts. Both Ginny and I have worked on several seasons of The Guild and take our listeners behind the scenes to share our fun and crazy times on set. We also have exclusive interviews with cast, crew, and fans of The Guild. We keep you up to date on General Guild news and the latest happenings of our cast and crew. So please give us a listen on iTunes or at knightsofthegild.com. Hello, I'm Meds. You're not Meds. <laughs> and I'm Kel. You're not Kel either. I don't even sound like him, do I? I'm trying to. Yeah, I'm I sound not like sure. the Geico lizard. Yeah. Sorry, I don't mean to do that. Anyway, hey, we love Waffle On. Waffle On's fun. I just love the podcast. Meds and Kel, you're so cool. By the way, this is Rick. And this is Amy, and we are the hosts of Take Him With You. It's the weekly podcast where we discuss our geeky Moyer home. Yes, we are geeky. And we're really fun, though. We talk about our faith and how it relates to the world around us. And I absolutely love Star Trek and heavy metal music. It's just too much fun. And I tolerate Star Trek and don't like heavy metal music at all. (laughs) What do you like? I like reading and quiet music and home and garden TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You like some British sci-fi stuff, right? You know, I do like some sci-fi. I I really do, but um, just I'm not as passionate about it as you are. That's okay. We lived we've lived together for 24 years, and uh, it's okay. Opposites attract, and we're still we're we're still married, eh? Yeah. Eh? Yeah. That's Canadian. That's not English. Oh well. I say we go have a cup of tea. Indeed. Indeed. Indubitably. Indubitably. I can't even say that. You do like tea, though. I do like tea. Yes. Earl Grey. Hot. 
question. Well, anyway, if you get a chance to listen to our podcast, do so. It's at TakeHimWithYou.com, or you can find us on... iTunes. Just look up Take Him With You. And you can hit the little subscribe button, and it's free. Yep. So thanks, Meds and Kel. Have a great day, and uh, thanks for uh, letting us do our promo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Tea time. Yeah.